now. Aldo, it's yes, Bears sir. Packers week. It's week number one. Who you got? Well, of course I got the Bears, man. What are you talking about? This is, you know, this is one of the biggest Bears games in my lifetime because this is the week we have to prove that the franchise is now turning around and we can't have another you know 15 years of a hall of fame quarterback kicking our ass what, what do you think i'm afraid that i'm not being negative i'm being honest like i'm still i'm really worried i uh, i i hope the bears can win i want the bears to win and but i I was hoping you were going to come out with some bravado and be like, oh, it's in the bag and try to rub off on me. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just I don't know. Week one is always crazy anyway in so many ways because where no one really takes the preseason seriously anymore. It's like we're always just trying to figure it out in week one. And yeah. you, therefore, you get upsets like last year with us when we mm-hmm. beat San Francisco in week one and no one expected that. So it's just one of those things like which team figures it out the most on at week one who, who's in shape. Yeah. Do you remember last year we beat the 49ers and we were like, fuck you, Dan Orlovsky. Fuck you, Ryan Clark. All you know, uh, Lewis Riddick, all those guys that were talking about the bears. We're going to lose so many games and they go on a 10 game losing streak a couple of weeks later. what's what's the weather projected for the weekend do you know well yeah that's going to be one of our segments i have a a lovely young young lady who would love to meet you when you're in town uh she'll give the weather report why don't we start this show all right all right stand by Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan, tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? I love the efficiency of bourbon. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. Dan McGuire! 
How are you, my friend? I'm okay. I'm glad to be here. I, I'm still trying to find out the Bears' uniform schedule. You know, that's normally out by now, like which jersey they're going to wear. I don't want to wear the wrong one, but then maybe I should just wear a T-shirt anyway because the game that I was at that we actually won, because they're one in seven with me in attendance, the bear I had a T-shirt on, so maybe I should be superstitious and wear a T-shirt. Yeah, what that was the one against Detroit, right? Yeah, yeah, two years ago with me, yeah. you, and Brandy, and uh, the the Bears won that one, and I had a T-shirt on, so maybe that's what I need to do. Well, I think I it's on the website. Let me see if I can find it real quick. And Everything I've seen is the 2022 Bears. 2020 yeah you're right this is 2022 so um i thought i saw it on social media if i find it i will uh, post it before the end of the show that'd be great because you know they're liable to wear those old 1936 white ones with the stripes that you don't like mm-hmm. <laughs> um listen you are going to be on a plane to chicago saturday afternoon landing in chicago around six o'clock and fighting your way through your legion of fans oh yeah uh, that's it <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you uh, besides attending the game what are you looking forward to hanging out with you man hanging yeah. out with jay jay's supposed to pick me up sunday and then uh he's a fan big fan of yours too like again i'm not placating either one of us when i say this mm-hmm. he loves our podcast so he does there's a few people yeah yeah that. he he's he's like i can't believe i get to watch a game with you so that it's really cool because i'm just a dude i'm just a dude man but he's gonna pick me up and then bring me back and um so yeah i'm looking forward to just hanging out talking he, bears and being in your man cave doesn't he live like in indiana or real far michigan south? michigan holy he lives in lions territory he's never been to a game never Wow. So he's really pumped and he's driving. It, it's a four hour drive for him. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's a lot of driving. Hopefully, yeah. the, the, the game will jack him up so much. He'll be flying on uh, on air when he drives home because that'll be a good four or five hour drive for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that the Bears somehow uh, start this season one and oh, I like, I always feel like this is the year I want it more than any other year. I think mm-hmm. that every year, of course. You know how in like politics we always say, this is the most important election of our lifetime. We always think that, and then the next four years we think it again. That's what I think <laughs> about the Bears right now. This is the most important Bears-Packers game since 2013, but I've said that every year since 2013. So I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Cliff says he just was watching some breakdowns of Jordan Love by Kurt Warner, uh, Edmonds, and Bears safeties need to make smart decisions this game. Don't give Love easy completions totally agree with you cliff kurt warner does a nice job of breaking down the videotape tomorrow on buffon 55 we're going to have him break down some justin fields tape uh excuse me some jordan love uh tape and um and who else uh jt o'sullivan was going to break down uh some jordan love tape as well so we got a really good show planned tomorrow night buffon 55 7 30 central is part of three chicago Bears shows on tomorrow, Gabriel talks football, leads us off. Mac and Reed, uh, sandwich in between, and then Bar Bardon Hockey Talk will will be in there t- uh, as well. So four shows on the bar room tomorrow. So uh, best way to stay on top of stuff is to subscribe to the channel. Dan, you subscribe to the Bar Room Network? I do, but you know the weird thing is, I, my Twitter updates or X, whatever we call them now, yeah, they before they would come straight to my phone. Mm-hmm. So I would, my goal is when I'd wake up, I would just start retweeting everything that I missed. 
but I don't get all my updates now. Uh, when it's become X, I get some of them now. But for a while, I wasn't getting barroom anything directly to my phone. And I used to get everything. Like Adam Ooh. Schefter, everything would come like a text message. So I would just look at it. It would say Twitter is the sender, and I would see everything you did. I don't I don't get that now. Fucking, uh, what's his name? Elon Musk has made my life terrible since he's taken <laughs> over Twitter. He, he's really stopped that forward momentum I was hoping we'd get going into the season. Well, I want to retweet everything, not just shit that I'm involved with, because I care about the whole network. Mm-hmm. Did you see the message from Adam Jenkins uh, while the Open was running? He says his winning time is fucking awesome. Binged the season and a half in two days. Thanks, guys. Oh, my gosh. I mean, before we talk Bears, we have to talk. That episode Sunday night might have been the best one in the season. My only complaint is that it was too short. It was like 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dude, if you're only going to give us seven episodes, then give us seven hours. Yeah. Well, you know, as a producer, you you want you don't want to ex- pad it with time if the story isn't there. If it doesn't, you know, if it fucks up the rhythm of the story, or you're tacking on something you should have tacked on to the next episode, or something like that. So I'm sure you know they gave it some some thought. Tooch says it was a great episode. I did that moment when you know there's a lot of great moments in that show, but that moment when Pat Riley is assigned the head coach in that press conference that they held, which was a total fucking fiasco. And that's exactly the way that it happened. Jerry Buss didn't want to hand Pat Riley the keys. He wanted uh, Jerry West to take over the Lakers. And the press conference was just awful. And there's that guy, uh, Jeff Perlman, in the front yeah. row asking questions with a stupid hat on. And the credits, they say Jeff Perlman playing himself. Yeah, isn't that weird? Because he yeah. wasn't there at the time. That's that's weird. But uh, and, but the other scene is him in the locker room when he has just had it up to here. He's now the head coach. And after a oh, few yeah. games where the guys are, are losing, he gives one of those Al Pacino in any game, any given Sunday, any of those great coach speeches, he gives one in that locker room that had my, that my goose pimples up. It was like – Yeah, even to I, Kareem. Yeah, even to Kareem, exactly. You 30 games ago, didn't you? I mean, it was like, ooh. <laughs> yep. I mean, you know, I, I've always hated Pat Riley because he ran, you know, that terrible defense at New York that just wanted to kill people. But uh, really, in, in that theatrical moment, uh, what's his name? Adam Brody, who plays Pat Riley, he was just fantastic and a great scene, great, fantastically written. And as Jeff Perlman has been saying for the last several weeks, the acting by all those actors is just phenomenal. You guys have to check this out. It really is good. Yeah, the only thing I could determine that seemed to be like a drama or dramatization, mm-hmm. the only thing that wasn't real, even down to like – uh, Westhead's daughter saying, you're going to get fired. Apparently that happened too. Mm-hmm. The only thing that was dramatized was Pat's job was never in jeopardy. In the episode, it seems like he thinks he's about to get fired. Mm-hmm. And and then the, he realizes he's going to get the job. That apparently was just for the, the drama of the episode. But everything else really happened. And yes, I remember the Dave McGinnis fiasco. I still don't understand his side of it. It's like, oh, well, they gave me the job for coach, and I wanted it because I interviewed. But fuck it, I'm gonna say I don't want it now. I I just don't understand. That's why he was like four and twelve every year at the Arizona. Fuck Dave McGinnis. 
You know, I, I do understand his point of view. You, you haven't agreed on the contract, so why are you making an announcement? You know, it, they were purposely, the Bears organization was purposely putting him into the spot where he would have to accept whatever they were offering from a contractual standpoint, and that's just bad business. You don't do that to your employees. You sit down and you negotiate. You work out a deal that's a win-win for both. For them to make that announcement while he's on the fuck, in a fucking limo on the way to the airport. It was just not professional, really. See, really I disagree. Bad. I think the man interviewed for the job, he worked for the Bears before. He should have been like, oh, man, the Bears are counting on me to be the coach now. We'll work out the contract, but, hell, I'm the coach. Like, he acted like he was appalled from the jump. I don't even want the job now. Well, good. Go be 3-13 and 13 with the Arizona Cardinals, then, you asshole. Like, he should have been like, this is the Chicago Bears. I don't remember him being appalled, but um, oh yeah, within like he said he didn't want the job as soon as he like, it was his first statement. Mm-hmm. It's not like he said, "Oh, we're going to work out a deal," or he just immediately took himself out of the running. I'm just like, who are you to take yourself out of the running? Yeah, well, not Otis Wilson loves him. He yeah. said that in his book. So I mean, maybe he'd have been better than Dick Jerron, but like, dude, just work out the deal. Then why are you like so holier than thou? Like, I don't want mm-hmm. the job now. Go go ahead and suck with Arizona. Go ahead. Well, and so, who was it that came in? The, uh, Dick Dick and then, you know, Dick was thirteen and three in 01, Gave us a very special season, but four of the five years he was there didn't really. Ninety nine was fun with all the Marcus Robinson bubble screens and deep passes mm-hmm. and shit. But two thousand was an immense disappointment. Oh two was awful, and oh three was awful. Hmm. Yes, it was. It was really fucking awful. Do you remember yeah, I, opening day in 03? We went to San Francisco and lost like 49 to 7 or 49 to 10 in Cordell yeah. Stewart's first game. Yes. Oh my yeah. God. You talk about it. that. was, And then the first night against the Packers, the new stadium opens. The first time it's the new Soldier Field. And what happens? You get blown out on national TV on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, uh... You know, I, I was actually thinking about those days. Later, I'm going to have uh, Dan do a little uh, kind of uh, nostalgia piece. You know, there's been 35 quarterbacks who have played uh, for the Chicago Bears since Brett Favre played his first game against the Green Bay Packers. Oh. So we, we're going to have him reminisce about some of those quarterbacks uh, a little later. But yeah, I mean, I one more about- thing before we get started, sir, if you don't mind. Something I forgot. I was working with the other Dan, who now calls me the other Dan on his show. Uh, (laughs) But the other Dan, there was something I'd completely forgotten. Do you remember the game? It was like the beginning of the end for John Fox when Benny Cunningham uh, fumbled the ball at like the half-yard line, and it was going to be Bears' ball first and goal, and he challenges it, and then they call it a touchback and give the Packers the ball. It's like it was Fox's fall. You were at that game? Yeah. Well, I did not remember – some guy named Brett Hunley started for Green Bay that day, and we still lost. I did That's not right. have any memory of that guy. That's right. It's no so clue. Funny. I was like, Brett who? Brett Hunley? Brett Nunley? Well, no, I don't remember him at all. He was uh, from out west, UCLA, USC. He was uh, yeah drafted, and I thought he was going to be a good quarterback for them. But uh, no, his only highlight in his career was winning that game. I can't believe we lost that game to him. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Uh, Cliff wants to know about the fantasy football draft that happened yesterday here at the ballroom. My team is pretty strong. I'm a little upset that I did not get uh, George Pickens of the Steelers. I was about to pick him, and he was picked two picks before me. And my quarterback situation, I was hoping to get one of those dual uh, quarterbacks, you know, that can run and pass like a Justin Fields, but ended up with Trevor Lawrence. And then I took some some chances in the late rounds, like a Tajay Spears, who has looked really good in training camp. He could be a breakout rookie running back. So I'm happy with my team. We'll, we'll see. And I, I got a weak opponent. Uh, sorry, RKB. I got a weak opponent week one, so I should get off to a nice good start. All right. I want to um, – you asked about the weather. Uh, yes. Coming into Chicago, here it is. Uh, Hopefully our, rain like last year on opening day. Nah. Uh, Elenia Padilla uh, is uh, sharing the WGN weather map for us. Two hot days coming up on Tuesday and Wednesday, but when you get into town, it's going to be in the mid-70s, my friends. And it's a late evening start, so it'll be cooler. That's right. It's it is going so definitely wear a jacket. And uh, if you see Alania Padilla out there at the Soldier Field, make sure you bring her back to the house with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's up to Jay. I'm sure Jay won't have any objections. But... <laughs> Let me uh, get a chance to meet her. She is gorgeous, isn't she? Yeah, I hope to meet um, our guy Ron out there that day too. Yeah. Ron supposed to I hope to meet Ron because uh, either that or the Denver game you know just shake his hand that kind of thing you know absolutely We're and there was another guy that reached out to me uh, I, I it's Bearski film at Bearski film he's a fan of the podcast and stuff I don't know if you've interacted with him yes I have and he guy. wanted to meet too so I hope to meet him as well Man, you should just like set up a a booth somewhere, have your picture taken with Dan Aguirre kind of. Uh, thing. Now remember, you you had a woman come up to you that knew you at Soldier Field. It was like you're the guy that runs that podcast. Yeah, I got to reach out to her. Uh, we haven't uh, talked. We were DMing once, and then when I got sick, I, I, I lost track of her. But she was going to model some Barroom Network T-shirts. She's got a. She lives out west, and she's got a swimming pool. She says I'll be. Glad to dip into the pool wearing one of your T-shirts so that you could see my figure. And uh, I, oh, wow. I think that's when I had my uh, mini stroke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I was uh, hunting around for uh, a particular video that I wanted to share with you, and I found something that I thought was hilarious, and I want to share it with you and everyone else. Have you heard that the Kelsey brothers are doing a podcast, Travis and Jason? No, I know who the, the brothers that great center in Philly, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is him. He's, he's sharing a joke here, and it's really one of the funniest things I've ever heard. Check this out. And we had a fullback who did the best joke I had ever heard when Doug Peterson was the coach. He gets up there in the middle of a team meeting, and he's like, all right, there's these three guys, and they're sitting around a table. First guy comes up thinking to himself, he's you know what? I'm pretty fast. I think I'm so fast. I think I'm the fastest man in the world. So he goes out, they time him in the 40-yard dash, and he sends his time in to the Guinness Book of World Records. Second guy says, you know what? I'm tall. I'm so tall. I think I'm the tallest man in the world. So they get the measuring tape up, they measure him, they take a picture, and they send it off to the Guinness Book of World Records. The third guy says, you know what i got a small d it's so small i think it might be the smallest d in the world they take out a ruler measure it take a picture send it off to the guinness book of world records they're sitting around a few weeks later and the results come back the first guy opens the letter he's excited i did it i'm the fastest man in the world second guy rips open the letter i did it i'm the tallest man in the world third guy getting excited opens his letter and he says who the f is doug peterson <laughs>
That is classic. It's yeah, really good. I didn't know where it was going to go. I knew it was going to tie into the small dick. But... <laughs> I've been I've been rehearsing that joke since I heard it two days ago. You know, using different friends of mine as the punchline, um, and so I'm going to pull it out. Some not, not my small dick. Right. Out, we so... know it couldn't be Nick Foles because you know <laughs> that's right, big dick, old big Nick. dick Nick. <laughs> But uh, there's been a, a number of clips from that Kelsey podcast, so it might be one uh, worth uh, listening to. Are you gonna? Uh, what What are you listening to on the plane ride uh, to Chicago and back home? I'll just probably bring my iPod, my iPod Touch, and just listen to the tunes, man. You know, just chill because I'll be sitting beside a, probably a guy. You know, mm-hmm. like the last time I was flying home after the Minnesota game, the guy was as tall as I am, and our fucking legs touched, and I just hated it. Yeah. Like he, he, I was to his right. So his, his right leg was touching my left leg the whole way home. I just <laughs> hated it. And then if it's a woman, I usually am afraid to talk to them too. Cause I don't want them to think that I'm hitting on them or yeah. being weird, but I definitely don't want a guy's leg touching me on the way home that yeah. or the way they are. I hope. Well, with a woman, you can say, you know, Hey, I, I, you know, I'm a big guy, so hopefully you don't mind if I occasionally brush up against your leg and or your breast. <laughs> <laughs> Foster is going to meet Bearski at Soldiers Field. Soldiers. Field oh, so Foster is going to be there Sunday too. Foster's going to be there. To, well, maybe I can meet Foster as well. Foster, I don't know if he could get in because he smokes so much. I, they don't. Foster would have fit right in at like Wrigley Field in like '68 when you could just smoke inside the fucking stadium. Yeah, jeez, man, those were the days. Fucking used to smoke two packs, watching a Bears game. Um, all right, Smoking we got hard back then. Yeah. Uh, before we get to, should I do this now? I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it. I got, I got something that, you know, Peter Bukowski, right? Yes, he's on NFL Network, right? No. Well, what's that guy? guy? It's Peter something, isn't there? Yeah, a guy named Peter on this. Peter Schrager. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not a big fan of, but he's not. I, I don't like anybody on the NFL Network anymore. Yeah. I like Kyle Brandt. Don't I liked it when it was like Mariucci and Rich Eisen and Deion Sanders. I thought that mm-hmm. was. And then they added Michael Irvin. I thought he was he was solid with that, but I just I can't stand like to. I don't even watch it now. By the way, speaking of Deion Sanders, I know you don't watch college football, but do you know what happened with his football team? He left Jackson State, went to Colorado. He basically got rid of every player on the roster at Colorado, brought in all sorts of new kids, including his son is now the quarterback. He threw five touchdowns, right? He threw five touchdowns. And then one of the players played almost every snap offense and defense played over a hundred snaps in the game and they upset TCU. TCU was in the championship game last year. It was phenomenal. And then in the press conference afterwards, Deion Sanders really went after reporters who doubted him and, and including, you know, Ed Werder, right? Yes. The Ed Werder is the cowboy beat guy, right? Exactly. And so, you know, and, and so there was a big, to do in social media, you know, does Dion expect, you know, the reporters to be rooting for his team? You know, it's, it's kind of classless to go after reporters and stuff like that. But one of the things that a lot of people left out is that Ed Werder said about Dion Sanders, he's a celebrity coach signing. So I don't blame Dion for saying, what do you say now, motherfucker? 
you know, to, to say he's a celebrity uh, coach signing is so disrespectful. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting a college football season over at Colorado because they uh, now have targets on their back, and but they look like they could be able to respond week after week. It could be really, really fun. I know, again, you're not a college football fan, so you're probably yawning right now. Oh, <laughs> man, the game that I had to watch at work, everyone had it on Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. I just hate that. Oh, we're walking out to enter Sandman. And that's like suppose like ESPN is or ACC network, whatever is just like, this is the most special entrance in all of college football. And like Metallica. And I just like, dude, this song's like 35 years old. Like, why is this? This is not cool. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't go to the game just because of that. And cause Virginia tech's close to my house. I wouldn't go to that stadium and go through that bullshit. Cause I don't want to, to sit there and jump up and down to enter Sandman. That pisses me off so much. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. But yeah. When was the last time you've been to a college football game? God. In the 90s sometime at Virginia Tech, just okay. because it's close. I the went to a couple thing, games back then. What I find weird is that, you know, you're into high school football because it's your job. And, and Yeah, you, I wouldn't watch it if I if it wasn't my job. Really? I care, you, but I, you wouldn't, wouldn't care at all? No. I mean, I would root for the city or the town but I wouldn't go to any of the games. Hmm. So yeah, high school is just because it's what I'm getting paid to do. College just bores me to, to tears. And, you know, when you've got, think about this, like Stanford just joined the ACC. That's the reason I hate college football, shit like that. Like why is West Virginia playing three teams in Texas, but can't play Pittsburgh or can't play Virginia Tech when they're real close? Why would Stanford be in the ACC? It makes mm-hmm. no sense. The shit like that is why I don't like college football. People say the pros are about money. College is about money. When you can't have divisional or geographical rivals anymore, like Oklahoma's in the SEC, the -hmm. Southeastern Conference, right? That's in Oklahoma's over there, right? I forgot. Okay. Just making sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's totally fucked up now. It's all run by money. You're absolutely right. Um, But And oh, Riveron. Al Riveron, I mean, interrupt you. I'm sorry. Al Riveron is back and already blew a replay. Whoever was <laughs> announcing was like that he he kicked somebody out on that like targeting rule that they yeah. have in college, and yes. they were like, "Man, that's really stiff." I, I don't think that last year this would have happened. I'm like, it's fucking Al Riveron. Of course it is. He's the leader of the ACC replay booth, or, or it's just like this guy screws up everywhere he goes. He is – I can't believe he would be hired with the reputation that he has, and, and it's just so public that he makes these bad calls and that when he tries to defend himself, it clearly looks like he is just talking shit. He's not very good at his job. He's probably not no. good at anything he's ever done in his life. Um, all right. Uh, Who do you root for in college? Is it Notre Dame? Yeah, you know, I, I, I love Notre Dame because when I was a kid on Sunday morning, Lindsey Nelson used to do a one-hour replay show of the game. And, you know, we now cut ahead to further action. And so every Sunday morning, right before a Bears game, I would watch Notre Dame. And so over the years, I, I grew fond of them. And I saw the movie on Newt Rockney and the whole mythology, you know. And, and it's not because 
of anything other than that. You know, I was almost weaned, you know, groomed into loving them. Just like when I was a kid, all the Cubs games were on TV and uh, the White Sox games were difficult to, to find because they were on a UHF channel. When you could finally find them, you know, it was grainy and there was nobody in the ballpark and the Cubs games were exciting and so forth. So, you know, I, I like Notre Dame because of the legends of, of the game and, uh, and they got off to a, they're off to a pretty good start this season. So yeah, I root for Notre Dame. Yeah. So when, when the Bears didn't draft Joe Montana, you were like, I fucking told you, you had to love Montana at Notre Dame. Then yeah, I was upset that they didn't draft Montana or or Joe Theismann. Uh, very upset by that. But at the same time, you know, I know that they had drafted Notre Dame quarterbacks in the past and it didn't really work out. Although I think Johnny Lujak was a uh, Notre Dame quarterback. He had a pretty good career and <laughs> STC is right here in Chicago is uh, channel 44. That was the, uh, the uh, they ended up doing Spanish language TV, uh, but the uh, Cubs made channel nine a thing or channel nine made the Cubs a thing. Cliff, it could be the other way around. But WGN, uh, did you get WGN uh, out your way? It was a superstation. Yeah, to- not until like the mid-90s, but even though I wasn't a Cubs fan, like when I was in like high school, especially mm-hmm. during the Sammy Sosa run, I would, as soon as I got home from school, I would turn the Cubs game on because, you know, they played at like, you know, 2.15 Eastern time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I guess it'd be like, you know, 1.15 uh, Central. So yeah, as soon as I got home though, I would turn the Cubs game on because like, man, daytime baseball like you know it's just like i just, i loved it i loved the tradition of being the day games i know it, you couldn't keep with that because of the money yeah but i loved it i loved watching the cubs in the daytime yeah there were a couple of times where i did the cubs uh game during the day went to wrigley field and then hopped on the train and saw the Sox play at night i think i did that twice and it was such a thrill and and did it on tv as often as i could uh, by the way, I did not see Swifty's video, Luke, on uh, Justin Fields. I'm going to try to check that out. I'm a little behind on stuff that I want to see. Zach asked a question. Rick Meyer, he was yes. from Notre Dame. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. <laughs> I never saw somebody so scared to play the quarterback. It, it's like he was always like this, you know. <laughs> hey, don't forget, he was 1993 AFC Rookie of the Year. And then the Bears gave up a number one pick for him, and he didn't even throw a touchdown for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you know what, Michael? I did not really care for the Rick Meyer trade because he had that season at Seattle, and everybody was saying he's a bust. And so I was shocked that the Bears gave up a first-round draft pick. So I was a little suspicious of it. I, 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 I wasn't that keen on it. And, of course, we all know – we'll talk about that more later. Um, yeah. All right. You want to do media mashup? Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, we got a good one this week. It is going to be about, uh, I think it's 22 minutes long. And uh, let's just play it and then we'll react to it right afterwards. Sounds good. Going to carry on their tradition of kind of ruining bear seasons with the quarterback dominating or is Justin Fields better than Jordan Love? You know what? I think Justin Fields, uh, if he goes out there. Oops, what happened? I, think I was Justin like, Bonnie's being dramatic. <laughs> can bring a lot more splash plays to the table. 
you know, <laughs> this weekend than what Jordan Love can. Now, Jordan Love is going to run their offense, and we can't lose sight of this, guys. In the last five years, the Green Bay Packers running attack with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have been a top ten, top five in a lot of categories running attack. So I don't see if – they, if they're running the ball with Aaron Rodgers – I don't see that philosophy changing for the Packers. On the Bears' side of it, everybody wants to see Justin Fields throwing the ball, making plays in the passing game. I get that. I do believe that will happen. But I think Justin says, you know, damn it, I'm going to win this game somehow, some way, and I don't give a damn if I've got to carry it. I mean, this is his mentality. You know, if I got to throw it, sure. If we want to throw it 35 times or 40 times, that's fine. But if I got to run this football and and carry this team myself to win this game, I'm going to do it. So all I'm saying is, Bear fans, don't you know? I mean, if 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 if, if Jones comes out and 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 throws six, 70% completions, and and Justin doesn't, Justin may rush for 200 yards against yeah. these guys, and we win the game. I hope Bear fans just kind of keep it in perspective that we're not trying to make something that maybe. It, you know, it really is not the best way to win. Good I, luck with that. Good luck with that idea. I know, I know, Because I you know, know how it and is And I'm here. hearing it already. And, and Dave, you're right. I mean, you're anticipating the reaction. And I think from a coaching standpoint, I'm curious, like, how difficult is it not to place too much emphasis on the opener? Because, you know, you've been waiting for all season long for this opportunity. You haven't won a game since October 24th. There's a lot riding on Sunday's outcome, and yet, it's the first of 17, and right. you can't overreact from a coaching perspective. Fans can do whatever they want, and you can invest as much hope or create as much negativity after the opener as you choose. But from a coaching standpoint, don't you have to have a little bit more of a level head? Oh, 100%. No, there's no question about that. But I do think, um, you know, be, there's, there's a few more layers to this game because it's Green Bay. You know, there's another layer on top of it with the history and the tradition Two new quarterbacks. I mean, there's so many different storylines that go with this game as compared to uh, anyone else with the Bears play. So, uh, yes, as far as wins and losses and playoff numbers, and it's it's one game, but uh, but it's it's an important game. Everybody wants to see improvement. Everybody wants to see where we're at, and we feel like we really have a legitimate chance to win this game. I mean, uh, so anyway. But, but, you know, boy, back to that Justin Fields thing. I I, I just hope – and you're right, David. I can see it coming. I can see – I mean, you know, if I was coaching and, and the game's close, it's in the fourth quarter, I'm, I'm going to look to Justin and say, listen, you know, you do what the hell you got to do with, to win this game. You know what I mean? I really – and that's – it took me – you saw it with me with Ricky Williams. I mean, I would tell quarterbacks, that's it. We're done throwing the ball. <laughs> Nobody gets the ball other than Ricky. And I did it with LaShawn McCoy at Pitt and and had some huge wins at both those places. You know, because when a game's on the line, you want your best player to have the ball and yeah. let him do what he can do to win for you. And that's not the popular I know thing. That, what I'm hearing, though, is that you're saying if Justin Fields runs for 150 yards and completes maybe 50% of his passes, doesn't have the greatest day in the And we win the, the game. And you win the game, you'll take it. I'll take it right now. I would take it too, but I would not necessarily arrive here Monday morning feeling that great about things. True. Coach, when you look at your offensive line, everything you've always talked about starts up front offensively, and it starts 
on the interior defensively. What is the health status of the offensive line? There's been a lot of concern over Nate Davis and uh, Darno Wright's ankle, and obviously Tevin is out. So can you give us a health update offensive line-wise? Yeah, we feel real good where everybody is right now. You know, Nate uh, came back, you know, and he's, he's on track for being in there. Uh, so we feel great about that. You know, uh, you know, Cody's obviously inside there as well. Uh, Lucas Patrick's going to be inside there. So we'll uh, we'll look at it on Wednesday as we go. And, you know, Darnell has been back for quite some time now, and, and he's healthy. And Braxton has been there the whole time. He's been our Iron Man for the training camp. And uh, But, yeah, we like where those five guys are and uh, looking forward to continuing to work on that continuity uh, this week. Coach, uh, one of my concerns about the ball club this year, and probably yours as well, is just trying to get to the quarterback and try to make it difficult for the opposition. So, you know, besides your hits principle, what are the keys to an effective defense for the season for this Bears team? Yeah, it's really about just doing our jobs, you know, being where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there, and that's really what execution is, right? So we want to make sure that we're doing it the right way um, inside the hits principle, but really about generating some pass rush. You know, that's why we signed Yannick. You know, we got, you know, Walker over there. We got some uh, young players inside along with, you know, uh, Jones inside there as well, and we want to create pressure with our front four, and uh, guys have been working really hard at that, and uh, we'll see where that is. Coach, looking at the defensive line and you being a defensive guy who had a lot of success in your career, you're asking young players in that interior, whether it's Jervon Dexter or other guys like that, what is the key to getting them up and running? I mean from the get-go, because that Green Bay team can run the football. Yeah, I would just say this, that, you know, we believe in, in, in our process. You know, we draft talented and young players. And we believe in putting them in there and, and making sure that we coach them up and with those guys. And as you saw last year, you know, we played, you know, obviously the, the rookie snaps were way up for us in the league. And, again, that will be the case this year because, you know, Tyreek Stevenson is going to play. Those two 2D tackles are going to play. Noah's going to get some time. We're going to play, you know, Tyler Scott. You know, obviously uh, Darnell Wright's going to play. So we still have a very young football team, you know, with our guys that we drafted last year and this year. Uh, but we're going to put them in there and develop them uh, to, be a, to be a fast and physical football team. So let's talk about measuring. The first game of the season is a statement game. All you want to do is make a statement well, in that game. Especially you're playing Green Bay. And you want that it's statement. Nice. Yeah, listen, you want, to, you want to post the flag in the territory, and you want to say, the NFC North, we're back, we're here, and we're going to compete. Yeah. That's it, what we want to do. That would be nice. So that's what you're looking for, a statement game. Let's make a statement. Now, there's two types of statements. There's positive statements and there's negative statements. I want a positive statement game. That's all I'm looking for, a positive statement game that comes with a victory. By hook or crook. By hook I don't or care crook. how it's done. Just comes with a victory. You know, the Bears have a pretty favorable schedule early, so they could make, like, to Yurko's point, like, you could see them making a little bit of a statement or at least feeling good about themselves considering how poorly they finished the season last year with all those consecutive losses. The Bears in the look-ahead, Yurk, and listen, this will change pretty dramatically as the season gets going. I understand that. So, so... This is not the end-all, be-all, but for, like, a little context, right? Uh, let's face it. The Bears haven't been a favorite a whole bunch the last right. couple of seasons. In the look-ahead lines, when they, and, you know, this is something new because of the proliferation of legalized sports gambling. Yes. Vegas used to put out a week one line. You didn't get the whole season. Like, right. they didn't do that. 
They do it now. There's such an appetite for it. In the look ahead lines, the Bears were projected to be a favorite or a pick 'em in six of their first seven games. Now that flips in the back half. They're projected to be an underdog in seven of right. their final and they, ten. They've got that one stretch where they've got four or five on the road, too. Yes. But they they are projected to be a favorite, uh, either a pick 'em or a favorite, like I said, in six of their first seven. And I only bring that up because it speaks to the schedule and the competition and does it afford the bears if they stay healthy and put this together does it afford them the chance to like make a little bit of a statement say that we're here to compete in the nfc north this year and really just kind of get them feeling good about themselves in the direction they're going i think the franchise could use it after what was it 10 straight losses then the year last so why don't we hear from kwani b about what's going on with him as much as he can say about the injuries because no one can say anything until September 6th. Because I'm just taking it one day at a time. You know, I'm being where my feet is. So um, today, you know, it went great. Um, and then, you know, tomorrow, also going to keep, you know, going forward. And then Wednesday, we'll see what Wednesday looks like. How does this compare to last year? Obviously, you had the thumb that you had to work back for and got back on the field for week one. How does this compare in terms of just what August has been like for you? Yeah, um, last year, I couldn't really, you know, lift, be outside, be around a team or anything like that. Um, so it was huge, and it's a thumb injury. So, um, you know, that's pretty much my whole hand. So it, it was kind of really um, different. Um, and, you know, this year I'm, you know, still around the team, you know, still doing what I can. So I will say that's the two differences. You said you're feeling better. How do you describe how you're feeling today versus, say, two weeks ago? Way better. Um, a lot more better. Um, you know, two weeks ago, you know, couldn't really do too much, you know, um, really wasn't looking promises. But, but now um, – you know, I'm looking, you know, towards, you know, Wednesday, looking forward to Wednesday. It's going to be, a, you know, a big day for me. Jaquan, you said the injury this time is also the thumb or? Um, no, last year was the thumb. And so what, what is it this time? I'm not going to um, speak on it. What are the benchmarks that you're going to try and hit on Wednesday that will tell you, yeah, I'm going to go for week one? Uh, just really – just make sure that I'm still feeling the same. Um, the physicality part, I'm not ever worried about that. I love being physical. Um, that's nothing. You know, whether it doesn't matter what type of injury it is, uh, I'm going to be physical, you know. Um, but everything else, you know, just make sure I could, you know, move and things like that, um, get back right and, and make sure I'm in shape. When you got hurt, how did you feel about the camp you were having? It felt like it was, like it was going in the right direction. All pro camp, I'm telling you. <laughs> Never seen it before, but um, I'm still going, you know, stay on that pad, but I'm still going, you know, work um, work my way in. But, um, you know, I'm still, you know, still aiming for that. Um, still aiming for that all pro, you know, practice, um, all pro, you know, game reps and things like that. So um, it's, it's, I just say I got a lot more stronger, you know, um, before camp, I wasn't as as strong as I am now, as fast as I am now. So I I feel great. I'm not gonna lie. What were the last few weeks like for you mentally? Just I imagine you were really itching to get out there, right? Yeah, yeah. I love being out there, especially with my teammates and things like that. Um, so I really just had to lock in, you know, make sure I take, you know, every day, you know, every step, um, make sure I focus on, you know, trying to get back, um, try to move forward every single day. Um, no setbacks. That was a huge thing. Make sure I had no setback. Make sure I come out that uh, I'm feeling full speed. You know, I'm not thinking or 
um, or anything like that. So I feel like I came back at the right time, and I feel great. So, um, you know, I made sure I was still around my teammates, um, made sure I was still making all the calls and things like that, still working out. So when I'm back, that, um, you know, I, I don't have no setback, um, whether that's in the weight room, you know, on the field, outside the field. So I made sure mentally and physically that I prepared myself. But I, obviously I just couldn't be out there. But, you know, um, no, I feel great. I feel like I haven't missed, really missed a step. I feel like my condition is fine, too, um, while I was running out there and things like that. So I feel good. Um, I should be ready to go. That took a turn in there. Mm-hmm. Like the longer he went, the more I started thinking he's you playing. Kind of figure yeah. out like what's wrong his, with him. His and... his energy changed near the end of that, didn't it? Yes. Like but... he he started hearing himself talking about playing. Yes. My concern with him overall is that he is such a physical player that we're going to be having a lot of conversations about him missing time. Bob Sanders. Mm-hmm. Mike Brown was the name that came to mind for me, like especially later on when he was hurt a lot. That's and it's just because they're physical guy, awesome when he was playing. Well, my my couldn't stay on the field towards the end of his career. The comp that Alex I made, Caruso. the comp that I made to Brisker coming out of the draft was Bob Sanders, and because I think that he's wired that way. I think he's a smart player. I think he's really, really physical. He just fires himself at ball carriers. I mean, and and Bob, when he was on the field, was an absolute difference maker. Any Bears fan who watched the Super Bowl understands. But that. undersized. Undersized. Brisker's a little bit bigger, but I I do worry that he has that type of mentality, uh, and I, I hope that his body can hold up. I don't mention Alex Caruso flippantly because that's that's somebody who you know for sure because of how he plays is going to miss 20 or so games a year. Yep. Minimum. Because he's just going to. He, he, I, I would say that, that Cruz is playing unpadded football. Yeah, he uh, is. On wood. He is. And, and you, it's like you don't want to coach that out of him, but you also want to make sure that he's available for 70 games a season. Yeah, but that he, he, that's his game, though. His I know. value comes in, I, in being that guy. And that's how I feel about Kwani B. Like, he is a guy that isn't afraid to to take on an offensive lineman on a blitz. He is a guy that wants to send a message to receivers going across the middle. And I just, I hope his mind seems like it's strong. I hope his body is able to hold up to what he's going to do to him. Is Jordan Love good? I have no idea. How's that for an answer? No, look, that's obviously the thing everyone wants to know. And he looked good in the preseason each of his three he played all three preseason games each one ended with a touchdown that's nice that's what you want to see you can see the talent that he had he was a first round pick for a reason uh, brian goodikins has said there's a reason why he was drafted where he was he's a tremendous athlete and he showed that what he hasn't shown is is what happens when you're going into a regular season game with a defense that is scheming against you trying to expose your flaws pass rushing you relentlessly down in down out we don't know that and that's i mean that that's the quarterback position in a nutshell that's what you have to be able to do so we're, we're going to find that out it's it's an it's a weird year because the last decade for the packers it's been like the same bad movie on repeat they're going to be a short list super bowl contender they're going to win a ton of games and something's going to happen in january they're not going to get to the super bowl there's such a wide variance with this packers team you could talk me into six and eleven you can talk me into eleven and six 
I don't know where it ends on the spectrum, but Jordan Love's going to have a lot to do with that. Ryan, it's a really interesting place to be for this game, for these two quarterbacks, because we come at it from different places. We know how Justin Fields responds to relentless pass rush. We know how he deals with the uh, everything during the game, and it's been absolutely great. Um, what we don't know is if he can be that anticipatory passer in the pocket and get the ball out quick to really take that next level. Do you guys know there if Jordan Love can be that kind of passer, the one who doesn't need a lot of time to get the ball out and hit that target in stride and in rhythm? We, we don't know about his, his internal clock because we just we haven't seen it enough to know what happens when the defensive front's bearing down on you and the packet, pocket might be collapsing. We do know that Matt LaFleur's offense, it's – laden with checkdowns it's every page of that playbook has checkdown valves and jordan love has used those ad nauseum throughout the entire preseason he's thrown a lot of underneath stuff something that kind of went away the past few years with another quarterback named aaron Rodgers, who it seemed like i mean look he's aaron Rodgers for a reason big plays are part of his repertoire but it seemed like he was constantly eschewing the underneath stuff looking for something downfield sometimes it was there sometimes it wasn't Jordan Love is hitting his checkdowns. That should lend itself to a quicker release time, getting rid of the football, and staying on schedule down in distance. That's what Matt LaFleur wants from this young offense, his young quarterback. Mitigate the bad plays. Take the check down when it's there. And that's, that's going to be a big part of this offense this season. But that's one thing to say that preseason. We, we haven't really seen it yet. And we're, we're about to Sunday, and it's, it's going to take a good month, six weeks, to, to really get a good feel for – where he is as a starting quarterback, but th- this will be the first step. We want to talk specifics about the roster and the team and the team that we're going to see on Sunday, but uh, allow me a big picture thing for a second. Sure. What is Jordan Love's timeline and leash in terms of how committed they are to him beyond this year? Yeah, well, they restructured his contract during the offseason to give him 2024. So they're looking at this as a two-year window. Today on, on PackersNews.com, my, my colleague Pete Doherty, our, our columnist here, uh, had a one-on-one with GM Brian Gutekunst, and, and he asked Brian Gutekunst, when, when, when did you know with Aaron Rodgers? What was the timeline like? And he specifically pointed to the second half of Aaron Rodgers' second season. So that would be the 2009 season as a time when he really started to take a jump in his game. Before that, there was flashes. You could see the potential, but it wasn't consistent until then. Brian Gutekind throughout the entire offseason has made note that you know, the Packers were, in 2008, Aaron Rodgers' first season as a starting quarterback, they were 6-10. and 10. Aaron Rodgers had a losing record as a starting quarterback midway through his second season, and then he, he hit that point. So it's not going to be a, a quick evaluation. They, they are committed to giving themselves time with an asset in Jordan Love that they spent a first-round pick on. And, and they're going to give themselves the, the, the long leash, the patience and time to, to really know whether he is the guy or not. Dan Aguirre, what stood out to you in the media mashup? Um, I think I, the, the thing I was most interested in was the offensive line talk. Mm-hmm. Because, again, I, you know, I'm, I'm worried about that, as all of us fans of Justin Fields should be, and the Bears in general. I hate to be vague, but... That's that's the part that that had my intent up, so to speak, the most. The Jordan Love talk. I 
I just don't know what to think about him. I'm not going to criticize him. I'm not going to. I'm not going to start in and, and be the big mouth who says he sucks or whatever, and then look foolish on Sunday. Uh, what else do we have? Wani talking at the beginning, yeah. saying it doesn't matter how you win. That that's the that's the thesis. Yeah. I don't care how we win. I don't care if we win twenty four to twenty three. I don't care if Fields runs for two hundred yards. I hope he doesn't. But if you get the the win. That's the the big thing. I wish I mentioned this last night with the other Dan. What I wish someone would ask Eberflus, and I don't think you have to be a fanboy to do this, mm-hmm. to be like the last bear. Several Bears coaches have had poor records against the Packers. The last successful tenure for the Bears has been Lovey Smith. If you lose on Sunday, coach, you're going to be zero and three as Bears coach against Green Bay. Do you feel pressure? to try to get that right, because if you're going to be a successful coach in Chicago, you have to beat Green Bay, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's a fair question. Yeah. Someone said I would get my press credentials rejected or <laughs> taken away. I think that I don't see why a serious reporter couldn't ask that. I agree. I agree. You know, in listening to all that, I, I, I think my confidence level going into week one would be sky high. If – the Bears didn't experience so many injuries in the preseason. So, for instance, the Jaquan Brisker injury. You know, you hate you. You know the guy can ball. You know he can. He's going to play his ass off uh, when he's fully healthy. But we I wonder what was hurt. Do we have exactly. any idea? No. You know, as somebody in the chat room said, "I hope it's not his head." And so you wonder, yeah, did he have a concussion? You know, and could have been a groin or something. Too, he had or a hamstring. Con- he had a concussion last season, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, so that's part of my concern. The offensive line, if they were all healthy during preseason, the linebackers haven't played together. Tremaine Edmonds finally played a few snaps against the Buffalo Bills in the final preseason game. Bad. And he looked really rusty, man. So you got all of these injured players coming back. They're playing together for the first time. And so there's that unknown. I really do believe that the Bears are a better team than Green Bay Packers if all things were even in terms of injuries and, uh, and you know, preparation. But that's not the case. I think, you know, the Packers have had their injuries. David Bakhtiari, their left tackle, has not played at all during uh, the preseason. There have been a number of uh, other players. So perhaps it is even from that standpoint. Did that you know guy's that- always hurt. I know the last two seasons he's missed a lot of time, but the guy is is super, and he's the type of player at this point in his career. He doesn't need uh, practice time. Just as soon as he's healthy, he goes in there and he plays really well. At least he did with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback, uh, and they had that kind of magic between the two of them. They knew, you know, Bakhtiari would know what Aaron is doing at all times. We'll see if he if he can, you know, adjust to Jordan Love's style of play. I stepped on one of your questions there. What were you going to say? I was going to ask you, did you know that the Packers have uh, two second-year wide receivers and three rookies of the five wide receivers that are suiting up Sunday? I was not aware of that. That's fucking unbelievable. And then the tight ends, I think they've got two rookies. They'll be starting, I believe they're starting Luke Musgrave, who looks like he could be a really outstanding tight end. 
like a Kelsey type, but he's going to take a while to develop. But they've got rookies at tight end. So the Packers are going to try to run the ball down the Bears' throats. And if the Bears have done anything during the offseason, it was to improve that run defense. So if Edmonds is fully healthy, Nate Davis, the the defensive tackles they brought in, the two rookies, and uh, RK's – Cousin uh, uh, Billings, Andrew Billings, if if they play to expectations, we should be able to stop the run game and force Jordan Love to pass with those rookie wide receivers and tight ends. That's a huge fucking advantage for this Bears team. You could be seeing the Bears get out to a lead, and then all of a sudden that pass rush is going after Jordan Love. It could be a blowout. That's the way it should be. But there's the unknown about the injuries with these guys. And are they really ready to play optimum football week one? That last guy that was talking about Jordan Love, was he a Packers beat writer? Who was yeah, that? Ryan Wood, he, uh, the Packers.com or Packers Gazette or some shit like that. And he was saying that like, oh, that we could be 11 and 6. I mean, if the Bears were trotting out all these rookies and skill positions, they would be 3 and 14 in most people's predictions. Why, why does Green Bay... Still always, oh, we're going to be 11 and 6, even though, like you said, there's three wide receivers that are young and the tight ends are young. And again, the Bears would be predicted to finish last. They're Mm -hmm. getting the first pick in the draft again because look at all these under, uh, you know, these young players. Why does Green Bay always get around scrutiny? Well, I don't know if that's true. I think they're they're being scrutinized. I mean, I watched the uh, Good Morning Football. I watched about forty five minutes. I know those guys, you know, were, are picking the the Packers to fall behind the Bears. You know, Gil uh, Gil Brandt, uh, Kyle Brandt, actually has the Chicago Bears winning the NFC North. Justin Fields winning MVP and Matt Eberflus winning the coach of the year. And so, you know, I, I think sometimes we maybe overlook some of the praise the national media gives us. Not that there's a lot of it, so it's easy to overlook. Yes. Michael says, we have to make it an advantage. I have zero confidence in our defense until I see it. I'm with you, Michael. You know, you, you want to see it to believe it. I have gone most of my years as a Bears fan, hoping, hoping, and my expectations have, have been repeatedly let down. So yeah, I want to see it. There's no doubt about it. But on paper, fucking Tremaine Edmonds, he could be the defensive player of the year with the speed, agility that he has and those big defensive tackles in front of him. He should be making play after play after play. All I know is that the eight plays that I saw against the Buffalo Bills, it looked like I was out there. It's like, what the fuck? Getting caught in the middle of picks and, and looking that way when the ball's that way. It's not fun, man. Oh, man. It, since, <laughs> since Mike Ditka. It seems, and this includes Lovey to a certain extent. It feels like the Bears are only good for a short period of time, mm-hmm. you know, a, a, since Ditka. Like they were prolonged good during Ditka. Now everyone said you only won one Super Bowl, but they were good for a decade. Right. You know, I mean, right. they were constantly winning the NFC Central. But since then, you know, Wani had two good years. Lovey had three good years. You know, Jerron had one. Nagy had one. I mean, Fox had none. You know, mm-hmm. Tressman had one good year on offense, but the defense was terrible. So it feels like going back to Lovey, we, we're always trying to get the defense back on track, except the one good year in 2018. So I don't know what to expect from the man. I agree with the, the guy that said that, though. Like, well, let's um, 
I'll see it when I believe it on the defense. I'm worried that Big Jones is going to be running through gaping holes. Mm-hmm. And if the Bears win, it's going to be up to Justin Fields and, and Santos to make yeah. picks. Yeah, you know what? And I, 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 I'm I, with Lonnie uh, on that whole thing. You know, Yes, I want to see Fields throw for 300 yards and the passing game look like a modern NFL passing game. But this week, I don't give a fuck how many times Justin has to run with that ball. I don't give a fuck if DJ Moore doesn't catch a single pass. If he runs for 150 yards or whatever the amount of yardage is and we win the game because of his legs, I'm buying in. That's a victory. I want it on the win column. And then let's go back to practice at Hallis Hall on Wednesday, work on that passing game. This is important that we win this game. We cannot psychologically afford to lose this game to the Green Bay Packers. I it, wish it, we could have Wani talk about that because he's a guy that lost 10 straight games as coach. I mean, his entire era could be redefined. And he probably wouldn't have been fired, even if he wasn't winning championships, if he had just taken care of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, I'd love to hear somebody that actually went through it, not just us going through it as fans, but someone that went through it. I mean, and ultimately probably lost his job. If you recall, Wani's last game was against Green Bay. They led at the half again, which Wani had done like five times before and then lost it in the second half. And they 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 cut him loose after that. Maybe they keep him if he wins uh, yeah. against Green Bay at the end of ninety eight. Who knows? Him. I would love to. Like now, the complete antithesis of this is Nomad. Like Nomad and I were just going back and forth on Twitter. He was basically saying, "I'm killing him. Like the past doesn't matter. Get over my PTSD." And that's <laughs> a valid point. I mean, sure. I can't say that Nomad is wrong. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you got to learn from history and history does matter and all these things. And until the bears give us reason to not think about those other 30 years of losing, mm-hmm. it's not going to go away. I, I can't ignore it. Yep. Totally, totally agree with you. It has started to leave psychological scars. You know, the way that we have been, uh, molested by the Packers and uh, it's true you know they just leave us hard too they don't even get us off (laughs) when they molest (laughs) us they leave us with directions like magic in that one episode when he was hurt in winning time he's like you you gonna leave me hard like this (laughs) (laughs) you remember that yes I do and the girl's like I'll be back some other time all right, we're going to bring the Tooch in here. But before I do, I want to play a little video. Again, uh, this is uh, Peter Bukowski. I think a lot of Bears fans who are on Twitter, social media, they know about Peter Bukowski. There's nothing that he likes better than it is to give it to uh, Bears fans. He likes to uh, you know, get a rise out of them. Greg Gabriel apparently knows him. They've been interactive for a, a long period of time in DMs, and Greg says he's really not a bad guy. He just loves to troll. That's kind of, you know what? I I, I don't like people like that. I mean, why yeah. why why do you want to do that? Why why do you want to upset people all the time? Why can't you be authentic? Or, or if is that your authentic self? So you're just and, a dick. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I I ran into this. A video of his Lockdown Packers podcast where he was talking about how there's just no fucking way that Justin Fields will be a superstar quarterback. And then all that, so all of a sudden, I remembered a George Carlin bit. Here it comes. Some people are really fucking stupid. And as such. 
I have something to say. Did you ever notice that? How many really stupid people you run into during the day? Justin Fields can still become a reasonable, serviceable quarterback. But the idea that he can or likely will become a star quarterback, we have to stop it. God damn, there's a lot of stupid bastards walking around. It has to end. Carry a little pad and pencil with you. You wind up with 30 or 40 names by the end of the day. It is based solely at this point on pre-draft evaluation and not on anything that has actually happened in the NFL. Look at it this way. Think of how stupid the average person is and then realize half of them are stupider than that. And the case for Justin Fields always rests on it being everyone else's fault. It's always about everyone else. And it doesn't take you very long to spot one of them, does it? Take you about eight seconds. It's not about Justin Fields. It's the coach. Even though Mitch Trubisky was a far more productive passer under Matt Nagy than Justin Fields. This guy is fucking stupid. (laughs) Okay, well, he was a rookie. Okay, well, last year, Justin Fields didn't play every game. And in the games that he didn't play, you had other quarterbacks who produced somewhat efficiently. Then there are some people, they're not stupid. They're full of shit. (laughs) We're still talking about the most inefficient, the most unproductive quarterback in the modern era through 25 starts. That doesn't take very long to spot either, does it? Take you about the same amount of time. You'll be listening to some guy and say, well. At Ohio State, surrounded by all the talent and with coaching that we think is pretty good. He's fairly intelligent. He was not efficient at avoiding sacks. He turned pressures into sacks at a high rate. Ah, He's full of shit. One of the worst pressure to sack rates in the modern era. Then there are some people, they're not stupid. They're not full of shit. They're fucking nuts! He didn't get a hundred passing yards twice last year. We're talking about historically unproductive. Some people are- All three! All three! Stupid, full of shit, and fucking nuts! Well <laughs> Thank you. I've been, I've been accused of being all three as well, but I think Peter Bukowski has me beat up, beaten out. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know him, and I'm glad I didn't because he seems like a smug fuck, man. He, God, uh, he, I don't want to get political and make anybody mad, but I feel like I'm watching Tucker Carlson right there. Like I'm getting pissed <laughs> at everything he's saying. His demeanor, his demeanor makes me mad. His beard makes me mad. Like, <laughs> His shirt, like everything about it. Of course he's a Green Bay fan. Of course he's a Packer fan. <laughs> yeah, it's always someone else's fault. Well, I remember that being what Green Bay fans said every time Rodgers shit his pants in the playoffs, too. It was never his fault, even though he always had a rating of like 45 in the NFC Championship game, except the one he beat us. I know. Ha, ha, ha. I got it. He, he actually said that the guys that replaced Justin Fields during those injured games Justin Fields had had, had success. I, 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 what? 
What success? I didn't see any success. Nathan Peterman had a little bit of success in that last game when Minnesota was like, let's get this over so we can play in a playoff game. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's about how how it went. And for him, you know, not to fully appreciate what Justin Fields has had to endure four different offensive coordinators in five years, Uh, the lack of a number one wide receiver. I think, you know, after he experiences this Jordan Love first season as starting quarterback, perhaps then he will, you know, tone back some, some of that bullshit that he's talking about, but probably not. He's just legitimately an asshole. So I firmly believe that the green Bay fans, I've said this before, but I, I really believe this to be true. If if the Green Bay starts to struggle like with anything that we've had to deal with. Now I know they had a hard time in the 80s, but that's a different generation ago. These are not people that really remember Randy Wright at quarterback, you know, or even Don Mikowski. They remember Favre, Rodgers, and here we go with love. If they go through anything, especially this year, if the Packers suck this year, they'll be supporting the Jets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course you're gonna have people that are born in Wisconsin that you know, they're loyal, but I'm saying overall, the Packer fan base is full of, of fair weather fans, in my opinion. Well, I got to tell you that I, I do think that a lot of Packer fans right now are going through a psychological, uh, psychological trauma. Because they're seeing all of this attention that Aaron Rodgers is getting, the national media attention being out in New York, you know, the star of hard knocks, you know, all these predictions that they're going to go to playoffs and contend for the Super Bowl. They're seeing this uh, personality uh, uh, do over by Aaron. And I think that they are all feeling that motherfucker. Why did, what wasn't he like that over here? Why would do the last four or five years, we had to fucking put up with this Brett Favre type nonsense. And I think that they're angry at him and jealous and envious at what's happening on with, with New York. Do the, do the Packers and Jets play this year? Cause that would be, no, they played last year and the Jets won at Lambeau actually. Oh, wow. That's right. Remember the one guy put the cheese head thing on up there. <laughs> That's right. Sauce Gardner. Yes, yes, yes. That, you know, I I think uh, I haven't talked to many of my Packer buddies uh, lately, but uh, I got a feeling that they're going through a tough time seeing what Aaron Rodgers has been transforming himself into. And I don't believe that he's really a good guy, uh, but he's just trying to change public opinion of himself so that he can have a post football career a la Tom Brady. Fucking Tom Brady's making what $300 million with Fox and he hasn't done anything yet. It doesn't, he doesn't start till next season. Apparently I thought it was this year, but it's going to be 2024 allegedly. Jesus man. What a lucky motherfucker. And he's going to be at the Patriots game uh, this first game and they're going to kiss his ass and suck his dick. Well, they should. Honestly, he he deserves any honors that they bestow upon him. And the fact that the last couple of years he was in Tampa, it's a way of bringing him back into the family. Uh, I mean, I like it. If I'm New England, I think they should have the fans cheer him. He He's earned that. Yeah. And someday Green Bay is going to do that with Rodgers, too, just the way they did with Favre. Mm-hmm. Even though you would have thought they hated Favre forever and he came back as a Viking and kicked their ass at Lambeau and kicked Aaron's ass, too. Yeah, very true. All right, speaking of family, we have a family member backstage who is ready to make his appearance. His name is Johnny Santucci. Johnny, how are you, brother? All right. Turn it off. Turn it off the mute button. (laughs) There you go. I got to follow up George Carlin. Damn you, Aldo. (laughs) That was pretty tough. That was great. 
was brilliant, man. I love George Carlin. Uh, Peter Bukowski, this is how I follow up George Carlin. Peter, Peter Bukowski, the most punchable face in the history of punchment. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you know, um, Carlin, did you ever see that HBO documentary on Carlin, guys? Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen it yet. I, wanna, I, I started it and I just I, I hadn't finished it yet. It's really fucking eye-opening, isn't it, Dan? About, it was you know, tremendous. The, oh, I mean, this guy, at, at times, he was an asshole, you know, how he treated his wife, and he was so into his career, and, and, and just really did a lot of shit where it was just career first, family and wife second, despite the fact Friendly she was there. behind him. Uh, totally. Did you get a haircut or something? Man, I, I, I'm, I, I'm doing this Jimmy Buffett tribute at work. I'm, so, I'm kind of still working. I'm like, <laughs> you know, because uh, he just passed away. You know, we're, we're re-releasing uh, our life Jimmy Buffett, you know, with like a new section on, you know, some stuff and he's mm-hmm. passing, you know, the Jimmy Buffett tribute magazine. So it's like, you know, it's one of those things uh, coming to work this morning. Hey, John, your schedule fits with, even though it doesn't, your schedule fits with doing this this magazine. I'm like, all right, I'll, you know, I'm on it. <laughs> so here well, I am, 9.15. I'm still kind of on, on duty. Are, are any of you guys Buffett fans? No. Uh, I don't I mean, I mean, it's a classic. Uh, Margaritaville is a classic. Oh. Yeah. But I'm sure Aside from he, he that heard it a million song, times, so it's like it's probably yeah. uh, Dan Acquire definitely has us uh, is sick of it. Yeah. I, aside from that song, I'm not. I'm, I don't know if I know any other Jimmy Buffett songs. Same thing. He, <laughs> Me boat too. Boat drinks. Boat drinks. That's another one of, of his songs. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan. And either. apparently, he had a strong Chicago connection because he was a big Cubs fan. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I remember hearing that maybe, but. Uh, I, I like the lyrics to Margarita Vilda. I know that Joe Mandel and Mike North played tribute to uh, Jimmy Buffett yeah. on the show. Uh, Somebody big just died. I'm I'm yeah. really glad I didn't have to do that because I would have had to fake my way through. <laughs> yeah. Joe, yeah. Joe told me he got a call at 5 a.m. Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Mike would do. <laughs> Cliff says Buffett had some good stuff. Plus, I live in Florida now, so I understand. Oh, you know what? Uh, you remind me now, Cliff, that when I was in Florida, I think it was at Universal Studios. I went to the Margaritaville restaurant and yeah, had a cheeseburger some margar- in paradise. Yeah, That's another, there you another go. one of his songs, right? Yeah. Okay, so you know, I guess it, it, I just don't have a connection with him, but the Margaritaville song is okay. Dan, why do you? It sounds like you despise the guy. Why, He's why, probably why, heard it one here. million times. Right. I'd rather hear two live crew blowjob in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, Zach uh, says the pirate looks at 40 son of a sailor cheeseburger in paradise, baby. Zach is clearly familiar with Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. Zach is a big uh, a Bruce Springsteen fan. Um, and he's reminded me really what a tel- talented artist bruce springsteen is anyways uh tooch you have a uh state of affairs oh, tonight man. you guys are gonna love this one i love writing bear state of affairs man sometimes it's super hard to write them sometimes it's super easy sometimes i laugh and sometimes i cry mm-hmm. you know and that's kind of like what being a bears fan is all about so that's what this bear state of affairs is all about look at you man that was <laughs> a really good lead and i should have played the open right there but i'll do it now <laughs> Oh. <laughs> 
right, Bears State of Affairs. And a, a 2023 NFL season week one. I can't say off season week 34. It's NFL season week one. Here we go, man. Eight months went for football. It's finally here. The 2023 Bears football season is finally here. It's finally here. The Bears, ready or not, are hosting their arch rivals, the Green Bay Packers, on Sunday. It's like I call it bookend number one. This is the first test of the season, the first bookend, if you will. And the Bears could fairly measure themselves and their progress for the season by taking into account this bookend and the last game of the season, which I call bookend number two. Yeah, which coincidentally is also against the Packers. Those are the two bookends to this season, and they're both versus the Packers. And we've talked about this before, of course. Well, opening day will set the tone for the season. The last game of a season will set the tone for the offseason. It gives the Bears a nice barometer with which to gauge their season's progress and their overall progress in years two of the Eberflus polls regime. And all of this is magnified, of course, by the Bears-Packers rivalry, one of the oldest and fiercest rivalries in sports. Yes, these two games will likely cause, cause Dan, although myself, the maximum amount of heartburn, Heartache, heart sickness, and who knows, maybe heartworms. <laughs> I don't know. All right, all this is the excitement and pressure of building for both bears among the fans. I feel like a cork stopper in a champagne bottle that the barkeeper shook up and handed to me without telling me it might explode. Well, like the barkeeper said, this is the most important game in years. It's the game where we hope to find out that the bears have broken the curse, got the monkey off their back, turned the tide, righted the ship. We have had decades of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers getting the best of us. This is the time where we find out if the Bears can turn the tables on the Packers and dominate them with our own generational quarterback. Yeah, and like I've said many times, this season really depends a lot on Justin Fields taking that next step as a quarterback. If that doesn't happen, (laughs) bookend number two might be more of a dime store paperweight. Yeah, as a reference point, Let's look back on the last time the Bears played the Packers on opening day. Dan Aguirre will tell you that it was 2018. Mitchell Trubisky was the quarterback. Jordan Howard was toting the rock. Tariq Cohen was returning punts. Khalil Mack was sacking quarterbacks with his butt. And Prince Amukamara was guarding receivers. Remember Prince Amukamara? I, I forgot him. Now, Cody Parkey was three for three on field goals that day. Who'd have thought? A bald-headed fuck was the coach and... It was a 23-24 loss. You fucked. A bald-headed fuck. <laughs> we got that one, huh? Even though the score was 17-0 at halftime in favor of the Bears, the Bears would end up giving up 21 points in the fourth quarter as Aaron Rodgers rallied the Packers to beat us once again. Oy vey. You see why this opening day comes with a lot of baggage? Not only that. But against the Packers, Justin Fields has thrown six interceptions in four games versus the Packers. You can see why Dan, Aldo, and myself are filled with pregame Packers week angst. The suffering is real. But look, we're Bears fans. We have to look on the bright side. Recently, that's all we've had. Oh, we've been we've been conditioned to look on the bright side. Hell, we looked on the bright side so hard when we rewarded the number one overall pick in the draft and got a right tackle. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I love Darnell Wright. I'm just trying to tell you how it is when you've been a Bears fan for 50 years like the barkeeper and me and only had one championship. Being a Bears fan is a constant struggle 
between optimism and pessimism? Like the barkeeper asks in the title of this episode, Will Love Hurt? Yeah, sometimes it does. Loving the bear sometimes hurts. Well, it hurts a lot of times. So here's what we're going to do. I'm wearing this shirt for a reason. Hope. You know what we're going to do? We're going to look on the bright side right here, right now. That's an Obama shirt, right? No. (laughs) 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 Sorry, go ahead. The offensive line, which we feared was going to limp into the season, is trending toward healthy. Lucas Patrick and Darnell Wright appeared recovered from their injuries, and so is Cody Whitehair, even though he'll be wearing a cast. And we have Justin Fields, who last time I checked was outrunning the entire Packers defense. Ah, Justin Fields. This is a kid that stayed in uniform at his locker for hours after a loss. This is a quarterback who got knocked down and sacked the most in the league last season. This is the kid who got hit so hard last season they did push-ups on the field to show everyone he couldn't be knocked out of a game. Listen, let me tell you what Justin Fields said recently when he was asked to give three goals for the season. One, make the playoffs. Two, be the best leader I could be my team. And three, win and have fun. And I love this kid. I have hope that this kid could be great. We're in this together, all of us. Let's gather up all that hope and get behind this team and this quarterback, and let's set the tone for this season, bookend number one. It's a wide-open division. Got a quarterback who'll do anything to win, and that is Bears State of Affairs. The audacity of hope. (laughs) That was really nice, Senor Duke. That is it. I can get the uh, three on there. There you go. Um, that was good, man. Hope is really why we keep coming back, right? That's right. <laughs> well, yeah. Even though love hurts, we keep coming back because we got hope. This yeah. year we got we got more than more than uh, uh, hope, more than uh, most of the years. We got more hope than most of the years with yeah. this kid. I, so. I hear you. You know, and it's uh, one of my favorite movie lines is from Shawshank. You know, uh, the line is hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things. And that's how I feel every the start of every season. I'm hopeful that the Bears can surprise us, that they can accelerate. This season, my hope is, is that they can accelerate the rebuild. And so most people like Vegas has them at, I think, 6.5, 7.5 wins. Is that right, Tooch? Uh, I believe it's. I think it's seven and a half or six and a half. Okay. So I'm hope, hoping that they can get 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and just really shock us. And yeah. that we could all fucking, you know, hug each other in a way that, man, this feels good. I'm getting a hug from Stooch, and he's fucking squeezing the nuts out of my <laughs> body. Uh, I'm really, uh, really looking forward to a season like that. So I guess the Cubs are giving, uh, yeah, Tony says, just like the Cubs hope. Yeah. Uh, I, I really have not been following the Cubs closely. Tooch, can you quickly give us an update? What's going on with the Cubs? Are they going to make the playoffs or something? I believe that they're one game up in the wild card spot and about – Five, four or five games behind the Brewers. Correct me mm. if I'm wrong, but uh, they played really well the second half of the season. Uh, Mike North probably had a lot to do with that. He was, you know, if I t- could interrupt, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I think the Reds are a half game up in the wild card. Are they now? Now? They, okay. they won their 10th walk off game tonight and 44th wow. okay. come from behind victory. They were down 5 1 wow. and came back to win in the eighth. Uh, so I think they're a half game up now, but I, I, I'm not watching yeah. I'm just from what I'm reading. Yeah, the Reds had a, had a, a little bit of a, a losing streak. Now I guess they're on a, a, a hot streak. 
But uh, the Cubbies have been pretty solid second half. But Mike North, you know, he was uh, on Twitter, you know, petitioning the uh, Cubs uh, organization to not sell off all their assets because he thought they had a chance to, you know, to make a run to, for the playoffs this year. Yeah, He's probably yeah. right. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, Mike deserves an opportunity to be the, like, G, Cubs GM for a day or something like that. <laughs> you know, so that would be a great publicity stunt for the for, – for the, uh, uh, for the Cubs, uh, Steve yeah. is saying, couldn't agree more to bring back Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you something real quick? Well, Obama's still president. He's just in the in the basement in his sweats. What are you talking about? I, I have to tell you He's, something. Who do you think controls Biden, Stephen? <laughs> okay, I have to tell you all something. <laughs> Tucker Carlson on his show tomorrow is apparently bringing on a man who claims he had gay sex with Barack Obama in 1999. Oh, Jesus. And Keith Olbermann responded to him and said, it's quite uh, an admission by you, Tucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's a good one. But he, some guy claims he had sex with Obama in 99. He's going to tell his story tomorrow. So get ready for it, kids. <laughs> well, we were talking about hope. And one of the reasons yep. we don't have much hope is because, or hope is it's hard to get to, because since Brett Favre yep. played his first game against the Chicago Bears, the Bears have had 35 different quarterbacks yeah this is nice. all of them. Look, at this. look at this yeah this is all of the fucking quarterbacks that oh, the Steve bears have. <laughs> Man. It's, just, it's hilarious i should have put laugh track to this because it's yeah. hilarious so uh at least you got them in order as i can tell yeah i yeah. did I did. I, I, you know, I, I was Todd going to, Collins. I was going, I was, yeah, I, I was going to put the years that they were quarter with the Bears, but I, I forgot to. And once it was done, oh, I said, fuck it. I Mike fucking Glennon. Chase Daniels. Of Mike Andy, Dalton. <laughs> yep, Andy Dalton. So, so here's what I want to do. And uh, Tooch, you can uh, definitely help out here and jump in as well. Uh, I'm going to uh, play that video a little speed it up and when i stop it i'd like dan to jump in and share his recollection of that particular quarterback one of 35 quarterbacks whether it was a positive a negative a whatever it is and it, it'll you... mostly be negative i could tell you. <laughs> I <think> steve stenstrom <laughs> <laughs> i'll see what i can do about landing on steve stenstrom all right so here's our uh, machine going round and round and round and i will stop it right here oh, oh. Jay cutler. <laughs> hey jay cutler love oh. him Love yep, yep. him. Don't give a fuck what anybody says. How about Jay Cutler beating the Green Bay Packers on Thanksgiving night, yep. 2015? There. That. I'm not going to go yep. NFC title game on the bike and a torn uh, ligament in his knee and everyone claimed he wasn't hurt. Nope. I'm going with positive energy and Jay Cutler beating the Packers with all the old Packers there, including Brett Favre and Bart Starr, and he told them all to suck his dick. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> any uh, uh, any thoughts you want to share, dude? Uh, a huge. I was a huge fan of Jay Carr. So glad we got him. I mean, he he was tough as nails. Man, he took a beating. He, he always got up. You know, I, you know, say he, he he wasn't tough. He was tough. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm a, I was a fan of Cutler. No matter what people said, I love Jay Cutler. Yep. 
You know, I, uh, the first game I went to uh, C.J. Cutler play, and I, was, and I was there early to watch him warm up. And it was the first time I ever saw a, a player during warm-ups throwing the ball 60 yards in the air. <laughs> so yeah, holy shit, we got a fucking quarterback that can really launch it. Now, I know Rex Grossman had a good arm, but we had gone through a, a several years, you know, with Kyle Orton's uh, limp arm and so forth, of not seeing the ball being heaved uh, down the field with that kind of velocity. So it was, uh, it was really warming to cj cutler unfortunately he didn't lead us to the promised land and he had so, diabetes too so he had a lot to overcome yeah when we had the website open i wrote an article about his diabetic issues and you know i had empathy for him but in the long run he just ended up being a poor leader he really could have gotten more out of his talent if he would have yeah. been a better leader yeah i agree with him. it's kind of like he was you know going to work in a suit and tie you know, just like this is all business. You know, it's like mm-hmm. right, Cutler. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't like that, but that was like the narrative that was drummed up by whether it was the media or his detractors or whatever. But mm-hmm. indeed, all right. Let's see our next uh, quarterback. It is Josh McCown. Two very familiar names. Dan, take it away. Josh McCown, solid backup. Yeah, we didn't know it at the time because he had been around the league forever, but he comes to Chicago and seems to master Mark Trestman's offense. And as much as I hate to say it, was out playing Jay in 2013 to the point where Mark Silverman had a song on there about how he had a creepy sexual attraction to Josh McCown that they were ribbing him with. Uh, McCown's first start, uh, or first win as a Bear, not his first start, was actually the beginning of the end for Erlacher. We beat Minnesota in the last game of the season in 2011, and that's the game where Major Wright like dove and hit Erlacher's knee in the finale and like tore his knee up and and Brian was never the same again. You know, he tried to come back, missed the whole preseason the next year and just couldn't run anymore as a result of that knee injury. But that was McCown's first win as a bear that day. They, and again, the bears were seven and three that year. They finished eight and eight. They, they were uh, seven and eight leading into that game. So Josh McCown's what brought us to 500 that day. And, and didn't Josh have two tours with the Bears? He, he 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 was re-signed after being released. Am I remembering that correctly? That that is possible. I can't recall that honestly. I'm not no, saying you're wrong. Really. I just honestly don't remember. Yeah. Um, any thoughts on him, uh, Mr. Tooch? Well, I, I think he's coaching now. He always seemed like a coach on the field for me. If they understood offenses, you know, uh, could could play, you know, uh, in a pinch like Danny said, it was a great backup. Uh, I personally like he's one of our better quarterbacks. You know, I just mm-hmm. he wasn't with us long enough. To... Yeah, he was McCown 2011-2013. According to this Milwaukee Journal mm-hmm. Sentinel article, uh, he uh, do most fans realize that McCown played with nine teams and competed in the NFL for 17 years until he was 40 years old in the ninth in the 2019 season. His win against his he had a win against the Packers game in the same game that Rodgers was knocked out with a collarbone injury. Yep. Sunday Night Football. There you go. All right, here we go. Back to our fucking crazy, psychedelic, drug-induced graphic here. We will stop it here. Oh, Cade McNown. Cade McNown started the game in Green Bay in 1999. So I guess in theory, he gets the credit for the win where after Walter died and Brian Robinson blocked the field goal that would have beaten us, and before that, the Bears could have kicked a field goal to put it, you know, to make it a seven point deficit or whatever, at least six. 
and Chris Boniol missed it. And then Favre drove them all the way down the field, and then I don't remember who their kicker was at the time. It's not Chris Jackie. It was someone after Jackie. And Brian Robinson blocked it, and that was right after Walter's death. But McNown started that day and was injured, and Jim Miller played the bulk of the game. Uh, Cade had a decent 99 coming off of the bench, would come in and throw you know, touchdowns here or there. And would, it, like Justin, he could take off running, not as smoothly as Justin, but McNown had some wheels on him. People forget, I think. But then in 2000, they gave him the keys to the car. And the last thing you could say about McNown is that on Jerry Rice Day, the day that T.O. caught 20 passes against us in week 16, literally Cade McDown didn't make it past midfield the whole game. And going into the finale, the way the story was reported, that the whole team went to Dick Duran and said, you can't start this fucking guy next week. We will rebel. You better start Shane Matthews. And he did. But Cade threw the winning pass when Matthews got hurt to set up Paul Edinger's winning field goal on Christmas Eve 2000 to knock the Lions out of the playoffs. All right. 54 yards in the Silver Dome. The Lions go home. The shitty Bears win, even though everyone thought it was a foregone conclusion the Bears would lose that day. Hey, Omar. Omar, uh, a great follower. He says Cade threw for over 300 yards against the Vikings and beat Dante Culpepper. What do you think about uh, Cade McNown, Tooch? Well, I mean, he, he came here with so much hype. Like, I think we drafted him like eighth overall. Yeah, you know, like oh, we finally got you know the next Steve Young and so. I, I, I seem to recall this like story where he had like a vanity license plate and parked in the handicap spot at Alice Hall or something like that. No, no, that was when he was at USC. Oh, was that UCLA? UCLA. It was yeah. okay. It was at yeah. UCLA? Yes, <laughs> yes. Something like that, or whatever. Yeah, it was at UCLA. But yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, just a, a, another colossal mistake. You know, mm-hmm. drafting by the Bears, but uh, Dick Gerard a little uh, uh, got a little Paul Westhead treatment there, huh? According to yeah. <laughs> yeah, the players got a Paul Westhead treatment. Now, I love it. I want to be I, traded. I love it. You know, while he was three and twelve as a starter, he was two and zero oh against the Packers. You know, and yeah, and he beat them in open uh, the first one of two thousand up at Lambeau, which was uh, fairly certain Erlicher's second start. Mm-hmm. Maybe his first. I think maybe he played against Detroit or the Giants before that. But it was cl- it was definitely Erlacher's first win as a Bear. Mm-hmm. Was up in Green Bay, and the Bears had a big lead, like twenty four to three, and ended up winning like twenty seven twenty four. It got scary, but Philip Daniels would sack Brett Favre at the end of that game and submit a victory for us. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I, I I feel like James Hunter too. There's like. They're all all these guys are flashing up there are like backups, but we for us they were starters, you know. <laughs> yes, it's like exactly. terrible. <laughs> exactly. The one K McDonald game uh that I'll never forget, and it's probably in my top five for all time awful Bears games was that one game against the 49ers yeah. where they didn't pass midfield. I think the, that's uh, what I was just I referencing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Terrell Owens caught how many passes was it? 20. Then? Yeah, worst game plan ever. Let's shut down Jerry Rice and leave the other guy open. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, here we go. Back to the Wheel of Fortune here. Uh, Tooch, tell me when to stop. Stop. Oh, we got that one. What the hell? Not there. <laughs> I didn't mean there. So stop. <laughs> All right, let's go. Go ahead. Anytime. Oh, oh again. Look at this. What the hell? They just want us us to talk about those two guys. (laughs) I guess. All right, Todd Uh, Collins, Dan. All right. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> a short monologue here. <laughs> yes, keep this one short. Not that you have a choice. <laughs> Dan, are you there? Yeah, I thought it was the two. It's my bad. Uh, Todd Collins uh, had a couple of good games in his career, I think mainly with Washington. I think he's in Kansas yeah. City, too. He was around oh. a long time, and it felt like, okay, he's a decent backup, and maybe because he's had some good wins in the league, had some good games. But yeah. when he was called upon to play uh, in early 2010 when Jay was out in Carolina, I, I didn't go to that game because Cutler was hurt. Forte had 200 yards rushing, and, and Todd Collins completed like six passes the whole day. And then later he would be called upon in the NFC Championship and flopped so badly that we put Caleb Haney in, in the fourth quarter because they were like, God, if Jay's hurt and can't stand, he's better than Todd Collins. What are we going to do? <laughs> like, oh, let's put in this Haney kid. Who? Yeah, we got this other kid. Uh, he's never played a down. He hasn't played since like fourth grade. Well, put him in. He's better than Todd Collins. Unbelievable. Again, another one of those, probably another top five awful Bears game in memory, uh, in my memory. Tooch, any thoughts on Todd Collins? Yeah, uh, if I, I, my memory might not be right, but Todd Collins and Jonathan Quinn were probably seemed to me like guys who were like signed to play for the Bears, like hoping or with the understanding that they would never have to come into a game. And when they did come into mm. a game, it was terrible. You know, I was like, ah, oh, I'll come in here and be the backup, you know, but I, I, I'm not going to play guys. You know, well, I think but, Quinn, Quinn, the reason they brought him in was he yeah. supposedly was like another coach who knew the offense so well, kind yeah. of the the way Net, Matt Nagy brought Chase Daniel in. Like we really don't yeah. want him to play, but he'll be yeah. good for the locker room and help the young quarterback. I think that was kind of, like he would help Rex is why Quinn was brought in. Yeah. Yep. Why, why we sign guys like that, I have no idea. Damn. I concur. But. All right, here we go. Round and round we go. Where we'll you stop? Aldo knows. Oops. Uh, <laughs> Moses Moreno. This is I, a lot of hype, though. I don't remember, but one game that Moses played, I, I yeah. could be wrong. We should look this up. Was it against Tampa in 98 at, uh, in like week 13 or something? It seems like he only had one start. I don't yeah. know. I don't know much about Moses Moreno. I just know that uh, he got the one start. He was bad, and I never saw him again. Moreno yeah. filled in for a game against Tampa Bay and threw for yeah. 153 yards and his only career touchdown. But the Bears lost that game and finished four and twelve for the season. He never. Oh, and back. and again, the season looked okay, okay, because they opened the year with a lot of tough losses against Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. You know, uh, they were in all these games, and then they they. Ran off a streak where they they were back to like three and four, three and five, and then Kramer got hurt, and that went to Steve Stenstrom, and th that was it. Yeah. Steve Stenstrom, the worst of all of these quarterbacks. I know if he's alive, he will hate me because, like I've been saying for twenty five years, he's the worst quarterback I've ever seen in a Bears uniform. Yeah, wow. like Michael Henneman says, there he was like a preseason darling. You know, this I think we drafted him in the seventh round. It's like. That's what the Bears were doing, taking a chance on seventh round quarterback picks, you know, hoping that we might get a we might get a a starter out of them, but it never worked out, you know. Yep. So Bears. 
I was excited when the Bears got Moreno because we finally yeah. had a Mexican on the team. Hey, we got a Cholo on the team, <laughs> man. Cholo went to Chula Vista High School, man. Yeah. But it never worked out for him. Why <laughs> was his fucking name Moses then? I thought he was Italian. <laughs> of the- I think there's a lot of uh, Hispanic, Spanish lang- yeah, language of families that are Catholic and they name their uh, kids after biblical figures. Yeah. Or maybe they were just fans of Moses Malone. Or could be. <laughs> and around and around we go. I saw Chris Chandler's name go by. He'd be a good yep. one to stop on. Let's see if we can stop on a good one here. I'm going to stop right after Justin Fields. Uh, oh, kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Will Fuhrer, the lefty. Will Fuhrer, Virginia Tech. He played the, the fun fact or not so fun fact. Mike Ditka's final game as coach. 1992, week 17 at Dallas, I think. Mm-hmm. And Will Fuhrer started that game. Uh, that's all I remember is that watching the game, I had this. I thought, I remember, even though I was a kid, you know, in 92, I had just turned 12. And it's not like I was plugged into everything. I knew what was going on, I knew the results to all the games. I couldn't watch all the games, you know, because there's no Sunday ticket yet. But I had this sad feeling the whole season. After he yelled at Jim Harbaugh in the Metrodome, you know, and had that blow up over the audible, mm-hmm. I just knew that this was Ditka's last year that he was going to get fired. I just had it like a pit in my stomach that yeah. he, it was the end. And when I was watching that game, I remember I kept thinking that's such a sad ending that Mike yeah. Ditka goes out yeah. with this fucking bum at quarterback, Will Fuhrer. Like, who is this guy? Will Fuhrer and Peter Tom Willis should have never been Bears in the 1992 season playing any meaningful football, but there they were. Thoughts, Tooch? Another guy, we, I think it was a sixth-round pick. Another guy, we're like, oh, let's draft a quarterback in the last rounds, you know, see if we can make a starter. I was like, it was a lefty, could throw, throw a deep ball, okay. I think it went to the Cardinals after the Bears, but, uh, you know, I agree with Danny with the, the last of the Dicka regime. Sad. Yeah, just what, so sad. Was that a primetime game, Dan? No, I think it was uh, a late afternoon. If I if I'm, okay, you know, like a three three p.m. Central time kind of game. Yeah, I oh, some... although you're getting called out in the chat room. Uh, although I don't see Chad. Oh, Hutchinson. I saw Chad Hutchinson. Yeah. I thought is Chad okay. is on there. Yeah, all right. Chad, all right. Chad is definitely on. Let's see if we can stop on Chad. Uh, Chad, no, the Harry Burris. <laughs> Harry Burris. Oh God. Was that a game? In relief that I was at in 2002, because our man Chris Chandler got hurt. Because uh, let's say it, I'm not making fun of him, but Chris Chandler got hurt a lot. Every place Chris Chandler was at, he was hurt a lot. I'm not saying he wasn't (laughs) tough, but he was hurt a lot. So Henry Burks played the rest of the the terrible game that I was at, week 16, 2002. And uh, then he started the finale on a Sunday night game against the eventual Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and John Gruden. On uh, Back then you had like Mike Patrick and Joe Theismann together, solid team, announcing the game for ESPN. Uh, but Burris was so bad, we got shut out in that finale, and I was like, he's got to go. Every It seems like every quarterback we've had since like Bobby Douglas that wore number 10 is just awful. <laughs> but including Trubisky, we wanted him to be great, but you know he wasn't, even though Mike would want to fight me over that. <laughs> but uh, Burris is is he a coach with us now? I believe he is. He was is he? on uh, like an internship program. I don't know if he's still with the team. I'll, I'll double check it. 
Um, but uh, you know that he ended up playing for the Packers. I hope he. I hope he did terribly up there. Is all I can say. <laughs> and then yeah, in his only I performance, he played in the in the Canadian League. I, mean, I knew that. Yeah, right. He was and, like and, awesome in the Canadian League. We thought we'd bring him down here, and, and he'd be a star for the Bears. That never worked out. Uh, and, and in his only appearance against the Packers as a Chicago Bear, he did throw a touchdown pass in mop up duty. Mm. So there you go. You got that. Of course. Uh, I don't see him. You know who really pissed me off? So bears, so bears, man. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'll tell you who made me mad when they went to Green Bay. Of course, they won a Super Bowl up there and then come right back to Chicago was Ron Cox. Do you remember Ron Cox, the linebacker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he went up there and won Super Bowl 31, and then we brought him back. Like, don't bring him back. (laughs) We don't want him back now. Yeah, (laughs) he played for the Packers, right, for one season? Yeah, and then came back to Chicago. Wow. Yeah. All right, there we go. Back at it. I don't see Jeff Blake in there. Is Jeff Blake in there? Jeff Blake? I'm pretty sure he's not. He he did did start the last game of 05. Really? Well, my brother has a a fun fact. My brother and I and uh, and a friend snuck into Super Bowl that Chandler was in when the Falcons played the Broncos in Miami. That is pretty cool. How do you sneak into the Super Bowl? I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah. Not Andy Dalton. We don't have to talk about him, do we? How did you? Kill me. I don't want to talk about him. Friend of the bar room. Oh, man. Uh, Kramer, and I think uh, draft Dr. Phil told me he was at the game. I loved that game where we were in Green Bay in 95. The Bears lost 35 to 28, but Kramer was slinging the rock. But in the end, it came down to like a first and goal with like the 10 yard line, and we had four shots, and of course, didn't tie it. And then earlier in the season, week two, Monday night football, the Bears were down like 24 to 3. That's the game where the, the guy jumped out of the stands to catch. Yeah. Catch him. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, that game, we we got the ball back. We Kramer brought us all the way back and had the ball with a chance to drive to win and got a strip sack by Reggie White. Jesus. Yeah. So it just kind of felt like he was always on the cusp of beating Green Bay, but just couldn't quite get it done. Couldn't do it. You got a personal uh, touch. You got a personal Eric Kramer story. Love Eric, by the way. Yeah, love love, love, uh, probably the best quarterback I've seen besides Justin Fields to play for the Bears. That one season was just incredible. You know, it was lighting it up. Uh, but uh, yeah, the tenure was way too short. You know, the injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he was a guy that could really sling it. Man, loved his arm. Yep, and a great guy too. Great, great guy too. Yep. All right, let's see if I can stop this real quick. Dave Craig. Um, oh, Dave Craig comes in, Mr. Yep. Fumble. Yep. Mr. <laughs> fucking Fumble, the man who has the most fumbles and smallest football. hands in the NFL. Well, mm. you know, Craig, they he beat John Elway in a playoff game in 1983. He beat Dan Marino in a playoff game in 1983 and had the Seahawks in the AFC Championship game, but they lost to the eventual Super Bowl champion Raiders. So he had some success. Yeah, he played at a small school. It's not even a college anymore. I forget yep. the name of it. Milton in Wisconsin. Yeah, I know. It was some it was like where? And yeah. but he he hung around forever. He just looked. Again, I'm not saying I look like Zach Efron, but he wasn't like the best looking guy. And he kind of reminded me of Billy Kilmer. His uniform never fit right. It's like his socks were fucking falling down, and he looked like maybe he had drunk too much beer in the off season. But 
if you put him in, I mean, he did okay. Like the 96 Bears without Kramer when he broke his neck, they got to 7-9, and nine, and Dave Craig played all those games after week four. It's like he wasn't great. He had the one year he got close to the Super Bowl, but he was solid when he was younger. He wasn't enough to win a championship, but Dave Craig was okay. And considering how old he was in 96 when we had him, like he did okay. He did what he was paid for. Toot, you yeah. got any thoughts on Craig? I played a long time in the NFL, man. He played 17 years, man. So that's right. The dude had some staying powers, doing something right, like Dan said, out of big victories. But uh, when he came to the Bears, he was, you know, he was on his way out the door, you know, just mm-hmm. as far as his career was. But, you know, even uh, at whatever, 40, 30, 39 years old when he was with the Bears, he was better than anything we'd had in a while. You know, I still think, not to keep focusing on the 96 Bears, but that's when Dave was there. I think even if Eric Kramer goes down, they should have brought back Steve Walsh because Walsh had been there the last two years, won a lot of games in 94, was like 8-3 and three as a starter. But if they'd have kept Walsh, it's not like he wouldn't start it anywhere. He just would come back up somewhere else. If you keep Walsh, you have some fluidity. He's been with the team. You plug him in, and if you keep Jeff Graham too – the 96 Bears, I mean, could have been okay. I mean, like, you brought Brian Cox in. They finished 7-9. and nine. I think if you have Graham there and Steve Walsh there, they could have made the playoffs. What years? What year was it that Eric Kramer uh, had that excellent year for the 1995. Lions? 1995. For the Lions. Oh, for the Lions, 1991 and 93. He did two, two good years there. Yeah. Those were your heydays, Don Burr. <laughs> that was the uh, Wayne Font cigar smoking year. Yeah, that was 91. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, we'll talk about this after we're done here. We'll do a couple more of these. All right, guys? Uh, yeah, I love see. this. There oh. it is, Steve Stenstrom. <laughs> For a long time when I was young, I thought Will Fuhrer was probably the worst. And then we, we'd have Shane Matthews, and then we'd cut Shane Matthews. Like, Shane Matthews goes back to, like, 93. But he didn't start playing until like 99, 2000. So then, then he grew on me a little bit. So my hate for Shane Matthews and Will Fuhrer was like when I was a kid. That's who I was like, these two guys are terrible. You can never play these guys ever again. And Peter Tom Wellis for that matter. But by the time 98 rolls around, it's like, oh, man, Kramer's out for the year. He just got two wins in a row. Wait, who's the back? Oh, not that guy. No, not that guy. He's uh, He's got to be the third stringer. Steve Stenstrom was the only time in my – well, I mean, I can't say all because Jonathan Quinn got bad, you know, and it just felt like we can't win a game with this guy. Caleb Haney, we can't win. But Steve Stenstrom was the first time in my Bears fandom where I just felt like we, we won't win a game. We can't. We can't win a game with this guy. He is that bad. He's deplorable. On the, Every time they show him on the sidelines, he looks like he belonged in, like – the NFL, 1965, uh, like he's like Earl Merle, Earl Morrill's brother or something. He just he didn't look like he was any good. He looked he didn't look like a quarterback, and he was terrible. That's all like my recollection of him. He was just fucking terrible. Tooch? yeah, I, I know he's uh, uh, from Stanford, like Michael Henneman says. Right. Uh, but he was the guy that was brought here, and I forget uh, what we didn't draft him, right? Uh, I hope not. We. We got him from somewhere. I don't know whether we traded for him, but he was a guy that supposedly knew the West Coast offense, which is what we were running oh. at the time. I think it was was Ron Turner, the, the yes offensive coordinator at the time, and like yeah. Stenstrom was supposedly a guy that could could grow into that West Coast quarterback, and he was just terrible. 
Number he, 18. I, I want to say he played for the 49ers. Maybe A- uh, afterwards he did play for the 49ers. Okay. Yes, you're right. right. I bet he didn't play when he played for the 49ers. No. <laughs> exactly. yeah, he was a guy that was there when uh, uh, guy got there because he knew the playbook. Exactly. He didn't Those know anything else. Were good. <laughs> the uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel writes that uh, he very nearly beat the Packers in 98, but was sacked by Leroy Butler and fumbled on the Packers' 33-yard line with a minute to go. Green oh. Bay squeaked out a 16-13 win. I watched that game live. He got – they were driving, and I think he may have gotten sacked the last three plays of the game. I think it was like second and whatever, sack. Third and whatever, sack. Fourth and whatever, sack. I was like, God, he's just terrible. He can't get away from anybody. I was like, I don't, you can't blame the offensive line when he's a fucking statue and just he can't throw, he can't run. Why is he in there? Yeah. So sad. All right, let's do the last one. Does anybody disagree with me? Has there been anybody worse than that guy? I I have malice in my heart Jonathan, versus Jonathan against. Quinn is the worst. <laughs> yeah, Kale I think, I think uh, yeah, I think Jimmy Quinn Clawson? might be the worst. Stenstrom. Jimmy Clawson, pretty bad. Rick Meyer was terrible. Oh, yeah, Rick Meyer. God oh. damn. That's how do you choose the worst? In my heart, I say it's Stenstrom, but maybe not. <laughs> Chad Hutchinson was one of the Hey, Hutchinson had a good game against Minnesota, though, in 04. He did. He did. Very good game. All right, last one. Let us stop it right. I hate a Brian Hoyer, too. Yeah. Oh, I did that one. Steve Walsh. Steve Walsh. Eight and three as a starter in 1994. Won a playoff game for us on New Year's Day 1995. The first ever playoff game broadcast by the Fox Sports Television Network. Wow, Uh, good one. Bears at Minnesota opening uh, January 1st, 1995. Walsh was a Minnesota native and got to win that playoff game as a member of the Bears. He had lost a playoff game as a member of the Saints versus the Bears following the 1990 season. So... Uh, but, yeah, 94, he wins the playoff game. And it's clear by the time we go to play San Francisco that we got to have a guy that can throw. Walsh is a guy that could, you know, dink and dunk and, and and do enough to win. But when you're playing someone like the the 49ers who are going to win the Super Bowl, you've got to be able to throw the ball deep and compete. So by the time Kramer gets put in the game, uh, we're too far behind. that We end up losing like 44 to 15 or something. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kramer, I remember I asked him when we had him on, what would have happened, you think, if you'd have played the whole game? And he goes, we still lose because he says, I've never played. That was the best team I ever played against. Like every player on the defense was a Hall of Famer from somewhere because they had an all-star team, basically, because free agency had just begun the year before. He's like, when you looked around, he's like, everybody on the team was great. He says, the best defense I ever played against. Wow. Any thoughts, too, John, uh, Mr. Uh, Steve Walsh? I mean – he was one of our better backups, you know, sure. and uh, could play a, as a starter. So I forget, I forget who he was signed to back up, though. Kramer. Uh, Eric uh, Kramer, okay. Eric Kramer, yeah. Yeah, it, it was poor Walsh, if you want to go back even farther, he outplayed Troy Aikman early on in Dallas. But they were like, look, Aikman's our guy. We can't have a quarterback controversy. So they sent him to New Orleans. And then he gets there and kind of gets in a controversy with Bobby Bear, And then, you know... It ends up in Chicago and, and gets in a controversy with Kramer. So he's never good enough to be the guy, but he was certainly good. He was okay. 
He had a nine and three record as the Bears uh, starting quarterback. Not bad at all. Yeah, eight and three um, in the regular season in that one uh, playoff uh, win too. So you're right. Exactly. Um, Peter Tom Woolens. Well, share some thoughts on the, he was in the arena league it, it, when he when he dubbed the initials PT mm-hmm. PT yeah. Willis, but with the Bears again another number ten, another number ten. Cordell failed at number ten. Trubisky failed. Henry Burris failed. Peter Tom Willis failed. Uh, everybody that wears number ten is a failure with the Bears. Santonio Holmes may have worn number ten. I'm just breaking. No, he was. What was he number ten? No, he I'm just 10. making that up. No, he was ten. Wow, I'm just—I was just making that shit up. I think, either way, the quarterbacks usually struggle if they wear number ten with the Bears. It seems. Mm-hmm. Todd Collins, another one. Todd Collins. Yeah. Who wears ten now? Who does wear ten now? I hope it's not. Uh, I don't know. I can find out though. It's in it Chase Claypool. Yep. Yeah. Oh no! There you go. Don't be a Number ten. I mean, other than yeah. uh, Bobby yeah. Douglas had his moments, obviously. Claypool. Other than that, number ten should just be fucking, uh, not necessarily retired, but retired like Singletary's number was for for a long time, where no one asked, uh, actually used it because it's bad luck for everybody that has it. Mm, indeed. All right, guys, let's talk. Uh, we, we talked about winning time at the top of the show. Tooch, did you want to share any thoughts about the winning time? Because you're caught up. You saw Sunday's episode. That was great, man. It just keeps getting better and better. I saw Jeff Perlman. You know, like he, was yeah. wearing a, he was wearing a wig. He was. It was great. Yeah, yeah it was his questions. He, had, he actually had a few lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Three lines. Great, great acting job by Jason Siegel, Siegel mm-hmm. who played uh, Paul Westhead. It was just great. Yep. phenomenal uh and then you know of course you have jason clark who plays jerry west he was chewing up scenery like uh uh john c Riley was trying to get him to coach you're gonna coach the team no hell no you know it's mm-hmm. great yeah and then uh that whole scene with like riles where he's like they're taking me out we're go- i thought we we're going i thought i was going to see jerry bus you are they take him down into the basement he's like where are you guys taking me it's a gangland hit <laughs> you know he's like am i coaching the am i coaching the team or what and the press conference was so awkward it was hilarious man and they had to flash a little line on the screen that said this actually happened so, <laughs> exactly the press conference was the- that's gotta be the worst press conference in history Oh my God! Well, and somebody in the chat room earlier said that Dave McGinnis' uh, press conference might have rivaled yeah. it, but uh, no, that yeah. was definitely the worst. Uh, and the Lakers probably have the uh, uh, the title for the saddest press conference when Irvin Johnson, you know, announced that he had AIDS. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget that. That's one of those moments in in your yeah. life where you remember where you were. You know, I was absolutely home watching TV. Uh, such a sad, sad day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, fortunately, he's still alive and doing well. But yeah, it's a tremendous, yeah. tremendous series. Yeah. Uh, I forgot. Uh, I think it was so Chad. Addictive. Yeah, I think it was Chad earlier said that he binged it in a day and a half. All of the episodes, the ten from yeah. last year, and the seven, I believe, that are or six that are out this year. And uh, man, I wish I could do that. I wish I could just binge. Yeah. I'll, I'll do it after I the forget, season. Rewatch it. I forget the name of the director. Are they having a bunch of different directors or not? But uh, this one was it was so well paced, shot, and mm-hmm. and all the all the scene cuts were just brilliant. You know, from close ups to yeah. you know. Uh, uh, side shots and, and far away shots and stuff. Yeah. You really got the feel of being there and yeah. stuff. And then you have all the 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 seventies, the, eighties uh, type feel. You know the the, the old time uh, projector reel uh, mm-hmm. effects that they run and stuff. And then uh, 
you know, the old time uh, television scores of uh, mm -hmm. the basketball games. It brings back so many memories. Oh, it's, it's great. It's so but, well but, done. Adam, Adam cast, McKay is best the cast in a show. long time. Best cast. Yeah. Yeah. Adam McKay is the showrunner producer. Uh, you guys familiar with his work? Uh, uh, we talked about him when the see, the show first started, but I didn't right. really know him. I can't him remember then. what he's done, though, but I, I know he's done a lot of good, good comedies. I think he's no, normally known for comedies. Am I right? Or uh, Correct. He is known comedies, for comedies. Right? Yeah. He was uh, began his career as a head writer for uh, Saturday Night Live, uh, went on to do movies like Don't Look Up, Step Brothers, Anchorman, right. yeah. uh, Vice, the Dick Cheney movie. So he's he's done comedies and drama. He's a very yeah. prolific, uh, very he's talented the executive guy. producer, right? Yeah. Um, My right, only so criticism right now is that there are two episodes left. So presumably in episode six, we're going to see them beat San or beat uh, Philadelphia rather to win the NBA championship in '82, which is a very boring. Uh, if you go back and watch, I think it was what in six. Whenever they win the title, the game's really anticlimactic, which is yeah, surprising. Yeah. But and and then they're going to have to lose to Moses. They're going to get swept when uh, Philly gets Moses from the Rockets in '83 because we know it's going to '84. They've already they've already shown that in the first episode. So mm -hmm. the last episode's going to focus on Boston clearly. So mm -hmm. that means we're going to have to see them win a title and lose another title all in the next episode. That seems rushed to me. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's too bad that they didn't that they didn't get from HBO a five season commitment. You know that way they could have paced these things out better. They take your time, yeah. Yeah, but you know it, at least Jeff Perlman says that the ratings have been going up the last couple of weeks, and so you know and it's all because of us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so there's promise that there will be a season three because there, there's just too much juicy stuff, you know, yeah. and. Will they They're get to like Jordan, you think Jordan years or I'm sorry, say that again too. You think they'll get to like Jordan time or Michael Jordan time? I don't think so because it's all well, I, they probably will if they do four or five seasons because it is about the 1980s Los Angeles Lakers. And so Jordan came into the league 85, 86. So there'll have to be some stuff there, you know. Well, he won his first championship against the Lakers, even though you only had Magic and Worthy still there, but he still yeah. They beat the but that, Lakers. But that was 91 when the dynasty. Yeah. But you can still use that as a point to say that was the end of the run for Magic. That's a good That's a good idea. And say yeah. that this new guy, is to, even though he's not new, he's in his seventh year, but he's going to own the league now. Yeah. You've passed the torch. And then tease the, the Michael Jordan uh, uh, TV series that HBO produced. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Who can play Michael Jordan? Holy God. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I just love it. And and Tooch was talking about the music. That yeah, opening great. theme song. The theme song is great. Yeah, it's I think that's I an original it. song yeah, done yeah. for the series. It, yeah, it it's is. really sensational. Yeah, yeah. I, I shazammed it and it says winning time uh, title song or theme song or something. You know what he's shazammed it. Jeff mm -hmm. Perlman last week, he kind of threw it away as an aside or two weeks ago whenever he was with us. He goes, oh, my other book about Shaq and Kobe has been optioned by HBO too. So they could do something with that, the three-peat, and then the breakup there. But that's so touchy with Kobe passing, though. Yeah. I don't know. His personal life. Though. You can't you, – you have to talk about Colorado and those allegations and the team right. getting broken up. and But you can't really – I mean, the guy's passed on. Like, why kick him now, you know? It would be too soon. 
No doubt I got, about it. I got to point out the uh, Adrian Brody, Patrick, he really came out in this episode. <laughs> the Patrick Riles who punches the chalkboard. He's like, you know, he, tell, he tells off Kareem and Magic and everybody, like, just gives it to him hard, man. Hard facts. Like, uh, mm-hmm. freaking, uh, uh, like, uh, people are wondering when you're going to retire. I'll tell you, it was two months ago. That <laughs> was like hilarious, man. You know, uh, one thing that they are going to include in uh, one of the upcoming episodes is Jabbar's home burning down. Because I saw, like, for a microsecond, that in a montage, it's Jabbar looking with the camera behind his back, looking at the at the house burning down. I don't know if yeah. you guys know the story, but he, he had a tremendous home. And in that home, he had a jazz record collection that oh. was valued in the millions of dollars. I mean, Damn. he had tens of thousands of albums. And he, to this day, tears up when he talks about the loss mm. of this album collection. So that's going to be a real strong emotional scene yeah. when it happens. I'd like to know what remedied the situation because I didn't know that Kareem and Dr. Buss had that that friction. Like I liked it. And he's like, You think I envied Irvin? He's like, You're the reason I want to go play with New York. I mean, that's a paraphrase, but obviously he didn't, and he hung around until he was like 43 uh and lost the 89 finals before he retired. So it's like, I wonder if we can get some of the story that what allow what made him want to stay or why he acquiesced to stay, I guess. Yeah, I remember reading a story about Lou Alcindor when he was at UCLA and played with the Bucks and so forth, and how he was so alienated as a high school student, as a college student, you know, because he was this big, tall guy and nobody could relate to. He had no friends. He just developed a really rough, tough exterior, and he was very cerebral, would read a lot of books about what was going on in Black America and so forth. He trusted no one. And by the way, Sports Talk USA brings up this one great point. Jay Moore must have a huge cox because how could he actually marry Jamie as Jamie Bus? Genie Bus or Genie Bus? Yeah, Genie Bus. He just married her the, uh, this past weekend. <laughs> what does Phil Jackson think about that? I know, well, poor Phil. He uh, he's probably he probably can't move. The last time I saw him, he could hardly walk. He's his body is shot. But yeah, yeah. she went with the younger Jay Moore. He he has no talent. You're absolutely right, sports talk. You'll say, but maybe he makes her laugh. You know, that's maybe he makes well, her come. <laughs> may, may, maybe maybe he's got a big one. <laughs> maybe he's a Nick Foles lookalike. All right, uh, last uh, twenty minutes here. I want to get back to the Bears and just get your ideas on what it's going to take for the Chicago Bears to walk away with a Week One victory over the Green Bay Packers. So start with you, Dan. Uh, you know, Tutor already. Talked a little bit, set the stage uh, in his bare state of affairs. But I want to know from you, you know, if you were if you were to put your head to a pillow tonight, or in your case tomorrow morning, uh, what would you fantasize would be a really great way for the Chicago Bears to pull this win off against the Packers? No, no stupid, bad, untimely turnovers. Mm-hmm. You can't have, you know, third and six from your own 20 and then fields get sacked and fumble or throw a dumb pick and give them a short field. We got to We can't give them any easy points. The idea, it feels like every time the bears have beaten the Packers in the last since lovey left, it feels mm-hmm. like every time we win, it's, it's almost like we got lucky. We had a, a block kick, 
uh, uh, Devin Hester out of nowhere with a punt return or something. Since Lovey, it just feels like we never actually take it to them. You know, it's like we get a break. I'll take it if it goes that way, but I would like for them to get on Green Bay, even if it starts out, you know, 6 nothing, 9 nothing. Just keep scoring, man. Just keep scoring. Every time you get the ball, get some points, make them go three and out a few times, get some pressure on Jordan Love, get some get pressure on him mentally, not just physically. Make him start to feel like there's a rush coming or all of a sudden we're down 14 or something and I have to press. And then make him make some mistakes. You know, mm-hmm. hey, how about Jalen Johnson? Let's get that pick. You're you're yearning for it. You want a contract. Let's see some turnovers out there. Let's get some short fields for our offense. Everything they do to us, we need to flip that script. Protect our quarterback, get some turnovers, get some points, get a win. There you go. Toot, your thoughts. Well, man, uh, looking at it from like, I have no idea how to handicap this game. You know, it's like I, I don't have any idea. There's so many uncertainties. You know, uh, we don't know the injury report for either side of this game comes out tomorrow. Um, what I was hoping was like uh, nobody would. Well, I was hoping Green Bay would give us a bullet board material. I think one of the guys was like, uh, "There's no rivalry that we I've never lost to them or something like that today." I forget who the Packers player was. I'd be I'd be putting that in the locker room, you know, putting that up on the wall. But we have to match the Packers' intensity because they come down. They're always like, you know, they, they they come to play. You know, they come to play. The Bears have to take it seriously. Come to play, like Jordan said, put the pack a lunch in their hard hat go to work but uh there's so many uncertainties i mean like like i said in in bear state affair and aldo has for uh the title of this episode uh it's uh it's a huge game man it's it's so big man it's gonna be it's this is a lot of pressure on both both teams they both uh have quarterbacks with something to prove uh for the bears uh uh our quarterback has had a uh, you know, a season to start. Packers quarterback has not had a season to start, so maybe that's uh, to our advantage. Uh, last time we saw uh, Jordan Fields outrun the entire Packers defense, so I mean, they got to be thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that maybe they, even maybe... so, Fields got picked off to lose the game, so <laughs> got to avoid yeah. the interceptions. Yep, uh, and uh, uh, defensive uh, can't uh, can't give up the the big play. You know, I think uh, if we we do that, we'll be okay. Yeah. You know, and when Rodgers come down, he always had this certitude. We can despise him for for whatever reason, but he did have this this disposition. It's like, okay, whatever's going wrong for us, remember, relax, relax. We're going to play the Bears. It's okay. I got this. So maybe that permeated the whole team where they, they felt like these scrubs over here, they can't beat us because they're going to be playing this predictable defense and he knows where everybody is on that defense, and he's better than everybody on their defense. You know, even mm-hmm. like when Erlacher's old, he's got to drop back, but Rodgers can get that window behind Brian before the safety. You know, so it's like he knows where everyone's going to be because the Bears' defense in the Lovey era and the era now, they're not trying to trick you. They're trying to be better than you, but Rodgers has been better than us. But my point being, that affects the team. The team is confident. The guy driving the car is going to get us through the muck. But now they don't have the same driver or the same pilot. So maybe Mm -hmm. there is a sense of uncertainty if they get behind. Well, we don't get behind. If we do, Rodgers brings us back. Well, can he? We got to make him and that team think he can't do it. 
some of the comments in the chat room, Mo, Mo Beerman says Green Bay has to be held to less than 150 yards in the ground. Yeah, you're right, Mo. I, I'd love to see yeah. them held to less than 100 yards because you're going to force them to get into passing situations if you score early. Uh, Matt yeah. LaFleur, from what I learned from Ryan Wood when he was on that radio show earlier today on uh, the, score, the score 670, he was saying that Matt LaFleur really loves to establish the run and keep the run going. We yeah. did not get a chance to really see Matt LaFleur's offense uh, in the first two, three seasons he's been catch- coaching uh, the Packers. We were seeing Aaron Rodgers' offense, and so he's really going to want to run that ball 25-plus times. But if you get out to a couple of touchdown lead, we might have to force Jordan Love to throw the ball. So holding that running game down and scoring some two quick touchdowns would be awesome. Another really yeah. good point here from DeMond is do not lose sight of Christian Watson. You know that they're going to try to figure out a way to have Watson lined up against Tyreek Stevenson or against, you know, if, if Jaquan Brisker is not out there, they're going to try to isolate him onto uh, a side of the field where the backup safety for Brisker is and have him go deep. Got to stop that long pass because Watson can. He's got the speed and that length to really yep. create damage on those long passes. Uh, Tucci, we're going to say something. Yeah, I mean, we really haven't seen the Bears run defense in the preseason because a lot of these guys didn't play. You know, mm-hmm. they didn't play much. And when, when the backups win, we're getting gashed. You know, that, so that is definitely a worry. I agree with that comment. We've got to stop the running game. And, uh, uh, you know, like Aldo said, you know, we had, uh, the coach of the, of the Packers liked to, likes to run the ball, you know, and Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was in making the audibles, calling the audibles. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. We might see it might see a whole different team where uh, uh, you get a little bit more pure West Coast offense from uh, uh, Matt LaFleur and, uh, and Jordan Love. Dan, would you like to see Robert Tanyan finally uh, do something and so that we could say, wow, isn't it great we got him from Green Bay? <laughs> I'd like to see Mercedes Lewis do what he did to us too. Like, oh, man, we got Rodgers now. It's third down and 19. And then it would be like, oh, Rodgers avoids the sack, goes across his body, finds Mer- Mercedes Lewis, his first catch of the season, 22 yards, first down Packers. Yeah. Oh, I love that, man. When you do play-by-play, Dan, it really excites me, man. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that always happened. Like, he'd have six or seven catchers in the season, and, like, four of them would be against the Bears. Yeah. How oh. the hell did Roger how, – how do they let a 40-year-old man get open, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, it's, how many times do we have third and whatever, and we could never get off of the field? Yeah. And if they did, it'd be like, ah, there's a flag down. Of course – it's defensive holding, automatic first down, illegal contact, or it'd be third and 17 and an illegal contact, automatic first down, or a PI, or the, the, the refs always bailed him out. Mm-hmm. So maybe Jordan won't get those kind of calls uh, initially. Maybe he has to earn them, and maybe they won't get their unfair advantage that they have against every opponent. Right. J2K says, I think many people are underestimating this game. Green Bay is going to hammer us running the ball and play action over the top. I think, you know, J2K, I think a lot of Bears fans are actually quite nervous about this game because, as I said earlier, we just have not seen the starters play together. And now it's yeah. it's like yeah. you're, you're getting everybody together, and it's like, hey, uh, my name is Tremaine Edmonds. Hey, uh, aren't you uh, Jaquan yeah. Bosquare? And, you know, and so they're going to play their first game together. So a lot of things have to miraculously yeah. start to mesh right away. 
uh, if in my scenario, my fantasy for the Bears to get out to a quick 14 to nothing lead, things have to really mesh right fucking away, man. So what I don't like about uh, the new preseason rules is that, you know, uh, there's only three preseason games and that's okay, but nobody plays their starters. I mean, there yeah. were like a bunch of teams where the starting quarterback did not play at all mm-hmm. in the preseason, you know? And yep. I, I mean, I, I don't know how many snaps Justin Fields took, but it wasn't a lot. Right, you know, it was less than ten, I think. Right, I mean, not, not snaps, uh, uh, pass uh, attempts, downs, or yeah, pass attempts or downs or whatever or series. Yeah, less yeah. than ten series mm-hmm. in three games. You know, so yeah, I, uh, I just know this, and I said at the beginning of the show, I'm just going to be so distressed if. Jordan Love comes out here and throws three, four touchdown passes. And yeah, it'll be a hell of a show next week. Oh, my <laughs> God. Horrible. I just, yeah. I, I might call in sick next week, guys. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to get Aaron Mikulski out in here and talk some anime. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys want to make predictions or your fuck uh, predictions? I, I like the under in this game. That's all I got right now. What's the line? I don't even know what the line is. Yeah, what is it? Uh, Bears minus one and a half today. So they're just getting that because it's at Soldier Field. Well, uh-huh. I mean, look on a neutral field. Uh, see, uh, at, at the Bears, it's usually uh, home field is, is a field goal minus three. So it means that on, on a neutral field, you know, it would be the Packers minus one and a half. So the Packers are actually favored in this game. <laughs> the favorites, you know, unbelievable. Even though, like, the, we're counting, we're counting uh, three. You know, points for home field advantage. Well, that's that's what I was saying earlier with the nomad conversation. Is that it's not just us. Everyone, even Vegas, is like weary of giving the Bears any respect until they earn it. So the past the past games against Green Bay matter here. They again even affect the line in this game. Yeah. Um. Cliff has the Bears 35-24. Demon has 27-17 Bears. Uh, I'm not going to predict a a score. All I want to say is I'm just going to be so dejected, man. I said it a hundred times. Yeah, Green Bay Packers' defensive line is really good, man. That's the strength Mm -hmm. of their defense. Yeah. Does anyone ever think like the Jordan is kind of like Don Byrd? Maybe not (laughs) Maybe not a Lions, but maybe a Packers fan. I mean, maybe he's not. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not trying to besmirch him. Uh, Jordan. Jordan is a realist. I would say, right? Aldo. Yeah, I would say gonna, that he's going to take into account the players that uh, uh, and, and how how they play, what they can do. You know, he's he knows all the players. So said so this guy could get you know this there and that and you know and and he's going to get penetration against the porous Bears. You know, but he says, Dan, I am a Bears fan. <laughs> but okay. you know Jordan's po- Jordan's point here, you know Preston Smith, Gary, yeah. Luca Van Ness, and so forth. A lot of these guys were Kenny there last Clark. year. They, yeah. they've, this team has had a lot of number one draft picks on defense. Mm-hmm. Have they been a good defensive team? No. That for some reason they have not been able to mesh. These these great draft Except picks they that they've us. made. Every time, well, I, I'm not even sure that's that's true. That the, the the defense hasn't been phenomenal against the Bears. This team, you know, and and this is not just what I've seen. This is, you know, uh, tomorrow on Buffon 55, we're going to have uh, Andrew Herman of uh, the Green uh, Pack a Day podcast. He's going to mm-hmm. talk about how this defense has underwhelmed the last few years, despite. The talent that they've had on there, and so it, 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 it's there's reason to wonder 
why have this has this Packers team loaded with all the talent they had, a hall, a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Aaron Rodgers? Why yeah. didn't they do better? Why didn't they dominate uh, all the way into the Super Bowl? So we'll, we'll see. And then now Adrian Amos is gone too. So <laughs> hope he's unemployed. <laughs> he's uh, a TV broadcaster, I believe. Now. Good. All right. I, I want him to have a job in that aspect. I just don't <laughs> want him to be in the league because he's a traitor. I know everyone will say, oh, you're being a meathead. Fuck it. I'll, I'll own it. By um, the way, everyone the in the chat room is saying that I make sense. <laughs> <laughs> I just throw that in there when you're monologuing. <laughs> Thank <find> you. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad Patrick O'Donnell was released too. Yeah, he's out of a job. Maybe he could be a model somewhere, right? He's a good looking six foot four inch guy, yeah. very athletic. Yeah, he could definitely make some money. Amos uh, is Amos is a Jet. Did, did he sign with okay. the New York Jets? Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't I know that it. either. Uh, he can go blow his buddy. I'm hoping Jaquan Brisker's okay. Without him, I, I don't. Yeah. I, you know, we got to we got to have him in this game. <laughs> That's huge. It's but he said he was huge. playing, right? He said it, but he didn't say it. He he says he's trending that way, and those are my words, not his. And he right. talked about why not us? Why not us? I saw that that he yeah. was quoted as trying to fire them up, saying, "Why can't we win it all?" You know, and I, I feel the same way. Let's go. <laughs> Well, you know, and, and, and that's the last thing I want to say is the one thing also that perturbs me about this game is, you know, you listen to Matt Eberflus in yesterday's Monday press conference, and it's he, he's not echoing the words of Mike Ditka or Lovey Smith's Beat Green Bay. You know, it's like it's a very ho-hum, you know, insurance policy kind of press conference, you know. I, I I hope this team comes out of the tunnel and they're ready to fucking fucking karate chop Jordan Love in the nuts. I I really want them fired up and and Matt Eberflus has really got to turn up the heat. He's got to do that Pat Riley speech, man. He's got to go to Justin Fields and say, "You don't fucking scare me." That would help. <laughs> so uh, did you retire last year? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, guys, final thoughts. We'll go around the horn here. Uh, Tooch, what do you got for me? I can't give you a, a score of the game because, honestly, there's – one, it's it's too clo- – I'm too close to the situation. But I, I do mm-hmm. like the under in this game. I'll probably have a bet on the under. I think uh, it's going to be a game that's like 16 to 13 or 20 to 17 or something like that, you know. I, and I just don't see a blowout on either side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would what I'd be doing. Uh are we get, is this the end of the show or yeah oh okay mm-hmm. shout outs uh going around that uh, last night was really fun we had the bears bar and draft and uh with with like well, how many people we have 10 it was like i i couldn't unmute myself there were times like yeah. i could i could well, no matter what button i would press it wouldn't do anything like you know and, you know so i had like you know a lot of technical shows that was fun though with a lot of a great group of guys and stuff and, and good uh good commentary and whatnot that was a lot of fun uh and then uh, uh, don't forget to watch uh, uh, weekend sports betting tips on Friday nights. So we'll give out some NFL plays, some college football. I've been killing it in college football. I think I'm like 12 and 6 or 12 nice. and 5, something like that. Just insane. Lucky. I mm-hmm. uh, had a huge play on Sunday. Was uh, uh, five units on the Rutgers beating Northwestern. And then three units on the under. And clients very happy. So uh, Nice. 
I couldn't read the Clemson game last night. Uh, I went back and forth. I had Duke initially plus 13 and a half. And then I was like listening to too much Clemson hype and changed it, you know, for a unit mm-hmm. and end up being the wrong move. But that's, you know, that's how, that's how it is. That's why they call but, it gamble. I, like today when I heard Travis Kelsey was out, I, I put in this, you know, Detroit plus six bet. Mm-hmm. I'll take Good a stab, bet. take a stab with a healthy Detroit team. <laughs> Unfortunately. Steven wants to talk about my my sex life. Uh, okay, that's it. I do. I, I have. A, I do have a sex life story though, because uh, so it's like, like uh, uh, recently, uh, I took the girls, my wife and the girls, out for lunch. It was yesterday? Mm-hmm. Yesterday, and uh, uh, the restaurant was right across from a Walmart. This is like Freddy's Steak Burgers. I never tried it before, but it was really good. And uh, she's like, "Yeah, honey, what, do you need to pick up anything at Walmart?" You know, she's like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll run in." stay with the girls in the car, come back. And we're driving home. She's like, they didn't have a pregnancy test there at Walmart. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I missed my period. I was like, I'm 55 years old, man. Don't say that shit. Yeah, but, no uh, shit. <laughs> yeah so then, then the next day, everything worked out, though. But I was like, holy shit, I didn't get my sleep last night. <laughs> Damn, I don't blame you, brother. He's tearing up now. I was like, uh, I was like uh, for real? <laughs> I was gonna be like, damn, he's trying to outdo Adrian Peterson. Although I already have Holyfield, yeah, I mean, I, I, I need to make it a make it a baker's dozen. You know, I already have twelve kids, right? So. Congratulations on that, Yeah. Let me ask you a question because uncertainty always makes me nervous, and this one is selfish. When I get to O'Hare, would you think it'd be better for me to try to get a cab or an Uber in terms of what would be more cost effective? I don't know uh, the answer to that question. I could do a little research and find out. Um, my uh, stepdaughter does that a lot. I think she uses Uber. I'll ask her what she she thinks. So I'll get back to you on that. I was going to say, do they have cabs like readily available at the airport because it is the airport? Or yeah. just use they the have, Uber app? Yeah. Are you checking in a bag? No, I, I, I'm just going to carry the, the personal bag and the carry-on with me. Okay. I don't trust them to not lose my stuff. Plus, I'm only going to be there like you know two nights. So right. Well, you still have to go out to baggage claim, and when you go out to baggage claim, you'll hit that exit, um, and that's where the cab line should be. You'll see signs that say exit cabs, limousines, okay. blah blah blah. So uh, I'll be getting the limousine. The limousine that no, I'm just kidding. Absolutely, <laughs> coming down in style to Arlington Heights. No, you know, no, some of those limos can actually be cheaper than a cab ride. Uh, but then also some of them are are scam artists. You know, they immediately try to talk you into taking you to, to a horror house uh, oh, or or a strip club and so forth. So I'll be at home waiting for for you guys are both, both going. Just Dan is going right. Just that. Yeah. I'll be at home at two o'clock in the morning waiting for Dan, and he's no, at no, no. house. <laughs> My goal is to get there uh, ASAP. So no bullshit. Uh, I don't want you all to be staying up or anything like that. Yeah, uh, no problem. And then he's coming <laughs> back in October. I got two more games to come back to. Okay. Uh, actually, we I, I need to talk to him off air about like where Sylvester was coming in. If we could, we could stay yeah. for the D- Denver Where's game. Our, he's flying uh, in from Pittsburgh. Where's our guest uh, guest get together or whatever? Our, our, uh, Not having October? it this year because okay. of my uh, my illness issues. So um, we'll hopefully uh, do it again next year. 
And I'm celebrating my 65th birthday yeah. uh, tomorrow. I hit 65. Yeah. Light behind you when you turn 60. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My yeah. wife, my wife turned 60 also uh, a week ago. So we're having a party in two weeks to celebrate both birthdays. We're actually going to have it at that same spot where, what are you doing tomorrow? Have, Tomorrow I'm doing nothing. I'm working. I got three shows tomorrow. So um, you don't get like a, a fucking dinner or a cake or something. Nah, I don't want anything. As long as I can see a my kiss? kids. A kiss, yeah. A a hug. Kiss. You know, I guess they can't really hug you because your arm. Kiss and well, the tug. The tug. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cliff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not no, my sex life. that's well, Aldo yeah, so scratch that out put Aldo no, uh, no birthday BJ <laughs> I hope so <laughs> that's that's a great present especially what you all you've overcome recently all those oh, ailments my god and now you've got a knee yeah Tooch doesn't know this but Yesterday when we were doing the fantasy football draft, I was sitting on the floor for a long period. You know, I like to oh, sit shit. like in that, yeah. uh, uh, like the Indians, you know, where they fold their legs. I, I, I could yeah, sit yeah. like that for hours. Well, when I got up, I was like stiff. And so I, I put weight on my left knee. And this morning when I woke up, my left knee was swollen and Jeez. I've been unable to put weight on it. So getting oh, man. old sucks, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, ACL doing a show, doing a fantasy draft. <laughs> He's Kevin White. He's becoming Kevin White. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, all right, fellas. Great show. Uh, thank you, Teach, for being here. Dan Aguirre, as always. As yeah, go Bears. See you on Saturday. Uh, go Bears. By the way, uh, tomorrow all the fun starts at 11 a.m. Greg Gabriel and myself. And the best way to stay on top of things with all of our program is to subscribe to the YouTube channel here, Barroom yep. Network, Barroom Network on Twitter. Follow Johnny Santucci at John Santucci VIP. He's on a hot string, especially for college yeah, football. I'm telling you. And then follow Dan Aguirre so you can get into political arguments with him at Bears fan <laughs> underscore Dan. By the way, the, the death chart came out. Didn't get a chance to share this yeah, with you right. guys. Yeah. But uh, I don't think there was any surprises here. It had, they do have Lucas Patrick starting at center over Dan Feeney. Cody White here is going to play left guard. Braxton Jones, the right guard. Nate Davis is ready to go at right guard. Darnell Wright. So, yeah, these five guys are going to meet each other tomorrow at practice and say, okay, what do you line up? What do I line up? Who's the other tackle? The other tackle is yeah. – They've uh, got Braxton. more at both. But, like, if let's say we needed two backup tackles, who's the other tackle? Yeah, that's what I was saying last week, Danny. Remember? I was like, maybe we, we would sign one off of, uh, you know, street – off of waivers, you know, yeah. on another tackle, but well, they've got uh, they've got tackles on the uh, practice squad. Okay. Uh, but uh, if it's Sunday, the, if Sunday, yeah, who's the other tackle? Right. If something yeah. were to happen to Braxton Jones and Darnell, right? Uh, so that Larry Borum would go into one tackle spot, and then probably Cody White here, uh, who has yeah. played left tackle in college, would probably move out there. Yep. Uh, I don't see who else could potentially do it. Feeney, I don't think has ever played tackle. He's just center and a and a guard. I think so that, Feeney will take uh, Lucas Patrick's job. In a yeah, few weeks, you know, I think it could be by halftime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad they got the punt return kind of sewed up, but watch the guy fumble on yeah. Sunday. You know, I don't think he or Velas on the kickoff. Oh God.
I, you know what? When they kick off that ball to Valus, my heart is going to be pounding a million miles a minute. I, I'm telling you, I'm so. I'm going to be praying for a touchback every time. I would have yeah. kept someone else over Valus. I just don't think he's got it. And it's interesting that they immediately gave the job to Trent Taylor, uh, who Dan Aguirre immediately called me and said, hey, Trent Taylor is available. The Bears have to sign him. And yep. they did. Uh, over uh, Tyler Scott, who I thought did okay in uh, preseason, but uh, Trent Taylor's the guy. Tyler Scott should have gotten it over Valus, too, on the kickoff return. Yeah. Probably right. Yep. Probably right. Valus is like the teacher's pet or something. It's yeah. like – just because he was drafted in the third round is the only reason he's still on yeah. this team. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's like That's- Ryan Poles' gay lover or something. <laughs> I, I bet you he would. He could have. We could have drafted him in the seventh round. <laughs> Probably right. <laughs> Probably right. Yes. I mean, I I had an eye on him during that draft, but I had no idea, no idea he was a third round target for the Bears. You know, I, you're right. He would have been a day three pick quality fifth sixth or maybe even seventh round pick i bet ryan poles uses the same vernacular that the lakers use with magic on the show they're like you are family here you are my family i want to give you 25 million dollars over 25 years <laughs> i love magic's comeback quiet partner quiet you know i'm your partner i'm a quiet partner you you you, you didn't give me all that money because i'm family i earned it oh that yeah. was outstanding I, I love that yeah. actor man he is so good the one yeah. that plays magic he's so yes. good yes that guy has to so go good on man his style. smile his smile is so good for yeah. magic. Man. there are yeah. certain times where yep. i wonder if they have actually did something digitally to make him look more like magic. Like there was a, a play yeah. where he was driving to the basket and it was like, it, it's magic. No, but it's the actor. I wonder if like they overlaid magic's face on there. Uh, I'd love to, you know, talk to the filmmakers about that. Yeah. Um, all right. Gotta go guys. I got a lot right. to do. And See you uh, Saturday. go bears. All right. Go save some lives. Danny. And, uh, all right, Danny. Yep. Love you. Love See you, you later. later. See you guys. Adios. Well.